and welcome to episode 5 of Beyond the Pixel. We're dropping in hot into this one with Luis Fernando <laughs> Sandrin, technical designer and digital artist Ken Ha. 100 podcast drop down, Ken. We're the only ones that survived. <laughs> you gotta be the last man standing. <laughs> Alright, how's pod. it going, man? I'm doing good. I'm living. I'm surviving day by day, hour by hour. And yourself? <laughs> Pretty good. I've. Uh, have you heard of this new game that's dropped, uh, Hyperscape? Yes, but only because you told me about it. Yeah, it's like uh, it. They just dropped a tech demo, slash, uh, I guess, uh, alpha or beta mm -hmm. uh, on Twitch. Uh, new battle royale um, with kind of a quake-ish uh, like feel to it. Oh. So. That's what kind of inspired today's topic for me. Uh, okay. You know, we wanted to. I actually wanted to talk about this for a while, but then uh, we, you know, we had some other topics that I'd rather go first. But now, I want to go through a bit of like the history of battle royales because I find it kind of interesting. It's the first time, well, not the first time, but it's. I find it quite rare in the gaming industry to see a new genre appear, like a, a very like a specifically pretty fresh genre. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think of F the FPS genre in general, there hasn't been a new game mode that's specifically interesting or that's worked out. Like, there's always Deathmatch, some sort of uh, 1v, or sorry, um, uh, Team Deathmatch, or possibly the with a bit of a variant with Counter-Strike and Plant the Bomb. But mm -hmm. even then, that's kind of like a Deathmatch plus one objective, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of really interesting to me to see, like, when Battle Royales first started to come on to the scene. Um, do you remember what's the earliest iteration of a battle rail game that you can kind of think of? Uh, does Day Z count? I do think it. I, th I do think it counts actually. Okay. Uh, it's actually a part of what I wanted to discuss. It's kind of good that you said that. Um, so do you want to pull up my little bit Day of Day <laughs> Yeah, player knows Day Z. Uh, do you want to pull up the little slides that I've made here? Absolutely. Uh, that is not what you wanted to see. <laughs> I don't know what that is actually, to be honest. <laughs> What's your playlist? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it appeared though. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right, There's so this is just obviously a little summary of some of the current um, battle royales that's going on. Um, so I guess the first thing that we should talk about if we were going to talk about battle royales is like what defines a battle royale. What do, mm. I was, I'd, I'm curious. What do you think it kind of defines? What do you think is in a battle royale? Well, Ken. As a game designer, we are very well trained in how we define mm -hmm. battle royales. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is there actually like a very specific definition? I, I think at this, it's, this point has gotten a little bit loosely, but I, the key components I, I would say is you have a large player count, a large map that is mm -hmm. gradually constrained over time, and there can only be one winner. Yeah. Uh, let's go to my next slide. I, 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 that's definitely one, one side of it. I think there's a, a few other kind of key components that is kind of came come up with battle royales mm -hmm. and um i'll talk about them here so yeah like having a large player group it's almost like a massively multiplayer online game in terms of the amount of people in this in the one server um so between 60 100 is your typical uh kind of range mm -hmm. um i would also say that looting is kind of a integral part of the battle royale system right now Mm -hmm. There's like no battle royale there that you have a set set loadout like in Battlefront or something like that. I believe warfare, uh, uh, warfare, not warfare, warzone. Warzone, warzone has partially, but then you can you still load out mostly in in the game. I, I think see. you have preferences in terms of how your abilities or equipment is loaded. 
mm-hmm. um, but you still find guns. You find you find money to buy guns, which it's a slightly different system. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, there's still kind of looting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the shrinking zone obviously is kind of integral. Um, so, did you know that there is a bit of cinema history? Of battle royales before our Daisy and PUBGs came into into play. Yes, but pretend I did not. Pretend, well, I'm curious. <laughs> what is the like? I think if you go to the next slide, the earliest iteration that like the most recent is re- recent. And obvious is the Hunger Games, right? Like that's yes. huge, super popular. Um, but little and, do uh, they know, it's actually what? very inspired by Stone Cold Steve Austin's The Condemned. Are you serious? In, I haven't which, watched in which that gr- movie. In which a group of criminals are dropped into an island and they have to murder a bunch of other criminals in order to get out alive. Really? Wow. You, <laughs> you heard it here. I didn't even know Stone Cold Steve Austin produced movies. <laughs> I, I think he just stars in it. I'm not sure what other <laughs> <laughs> directorial but, or production roles he had. <laughs> but, you know, The Hunger Games, obviously, it, it, it stars Kat and she's put into this arena very similar to like a fortnite or whatever mm-hmm. but um earlier than that you do you know the original source cinema source of this concept yeah japan's darling battle royale yes yes let's go to the next page obviously obviously by the name i don't know this movie was is a cult classic had you had Oops. have you watched this movie before uh before games like fortnite and stuff came out uh i still have not watched it you haven't watched it no oh my goodness it's if you can um, if you can believe it you know we should do we should do a movie review on this one movie because oh it's yeah it's not like it's it's i wouldn't say it's it's like your emmy award-winning parasite level of cinema that we're talking about here all right all but right. it's so fascinating even when it's bad mm-hmm. um and it also uh spawned uh uh the career of someone who would eventually be in the Kill Bill movies with Quentin Tarantino. You see on the bottom oh, right. Oh, on here. the bottom on the bottom right, yeah. Yeah, okay. I can't remember what her name her character's name is in uh Kill Bill, but she's uh, uh one of the uh crazy 88, I believe. <laughs> yeah, she's the one that has the the very big ball and chain. The ball and chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so uh, to give you a big, a little summary of what the movie is, because you haven't seen it yet, a bit mm-hmm. of a, a spoiler, but you guys should definitely watch this regardless if you hear the story, because it's kind of crazy. Um, let me pull it up here. Okay, so the premise of the movie is um, Japan is going through kind of similar to their post-World War II era uh, struggles, where there was a lot of, like, there was an economic depression. Um, so the story is kind of set in that type of universe. Um, but also in this story, Japan has, for some reason, a massive uh, countrywide problem with teenagers. Like they're just getting super unru- unruly and causing oh, a lot of destruction in the problem. city. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, like the logical solution to them is to put them all in this yearly battle royale where they take a bunch of unsuspecting teenagers they gas them when they were supposed to go on a field trip, mm-hmm. throw them onto this island, and then eat. it's it's so much like a game, it's ridiculous. They each give them a bag, which has a random weapon in it. So they, mm-hmm. get, a, they get a loot box backpack. Mm-hmm. Some people get like a... <laughs> it's so unfair, too. And, and which speaks totally to the, to the Battle Royale genre, because the RNG in Battle Royales is so silly. 
one kid gets like a gun <laughs> and the, some other kid gets like a band-aid and another kid gets like a whistle or something so it's completely wait a band-aid unfair. just a single a single band-aid a, or like a like a medical pack right oh, okay like, a little, okay, like medical okay. pack so everyone right. gets these kind of wild right. weapons <laughs> and they they get sent out one by one and so they're so it's like oh it's almost like dropping out of the 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 bus but essentially they get their own little bit of air time to like go out and hide and stuff and um th- and so the whole thing was that they would be wearing these collars that would explode like their bomb collars mm-hmm. and uh the rule was you have three days and if you didn't get and if you weren't the last person surviving everyone uh, on the island's collars would explode and killing everyone um so you had to kill like the idea was that you had to be the last person standing of the collars and there were also these danger zones on the island. They were given this map. And danger be these, zone. <laughs> the, these uh, um, bullhorns around the, around the island that would kind of signal if they were in a danger zone. And then hmm. anyone in, within the danger zone during, during a certain hour would have their collars explode. So hence the idea of the zone shrinking and mm-hmm. forcing players around. You have the... Uh, classroom size multi multi (laughs) yeah and then there's the looting aspect because they're in some sort of like abandoned city and they have they can like scavenge and find tools and stuff like that um so that was the actual origins of the whole concept but interestingly enough that's actually not exactly how the games were developed like you mentioned earlier it actually started way way early on with a game called daisy um, let's go to the next slide for a second here. Um, so we have to kind of give credit to this genre. So do you, what do you remember about DayZ? Uh, so DayZ is a post-zombie <laughs> apocalypse game set in Russia, where mm-hmm. you join a server that is populated with a bunch of people. There are respawns, but when you die, you take nothing with you. There is a lot mm-hmm. of loot around the map. Mm-hmm. And... Um, all the towns have crazy names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, to expand on that a little bit, um, DayZ or DayZ was a mod for Arma. I think Arma 2 or 3, Arma I 2, believe. and you yeah, require the Operation Arrowhead expansion. Exactly. So it was already very difficult to play, but um, the fact that so many people went through the effort and the hoops to get this going and to play DayZ... Uh, it just kind of showed that there was like this massive interest in this kind of concept, and the concept in Daisy was actually very underdeveloped. Still, if you think about it, they didn't. The main thing was that it was a persistent world on the server, mm-hmm. right? So the idea that I think the the main thing that Daisy brought to the battle royale concept was this idea: of there's no rules for engagement that is set by the game besides uh, a win condition or kind of in Daisy's. Uh, 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 daisy's case it's essentially to survive right with Mm -hmm. pvp in there so Mm -hmm. it allowed the players to move around on in an environment but it didn't have like a round system didn't have a spawn point system it didn't have any rules in terms of how you can approach someone whether you actually need to actually fight someone in general is another concept too Mm -hmm. i think that was the thing that was so fresh in daisy as well as the whole concept of zombies but then that just brought in the idea of when you see someone you don't, you don't know what kind of engagement you're going to have. You don't know if they're going to run up at you right away. You don't know if they're running away. Because in most other games and most other, most other FPSs that we played in, uh, traditionally, 
the the goal has always been just to kill the other player, right? Like mm-hmm. before before Daisy, almost every game that you thought of TF two Counter Strike back in the day, it's just to kill the other team. Um, but this concept of being able to make your own decisions, and then that coupled in with the looting aspect, where you had this this inventory and this thing that you've been building up, and the fact that you can lose such a high value aspect of your own like uh, inventory mm-hmm. just from getting into a fight made all the fights so much more intense because it really was like a one-shot thing even if you just spawned you're like i just i just found some weapons and you know you always have to deal with zombies so there's always like supplies you need to heal yourself so the idea when you killed someone it actually meant something uh significant as well as when you yeah. were killed it right and also and also to the other players too uh i remember watching uh just some clips on on days uh, right because i just wanted to see what it was about and i was never going to play this game it's, it's not my my my, my kind of thing yeah uh and there were two players just scoping out on a hill scoping out of town because they wanted to get some resources and see like oh no there's two players down there it's like are they are they are they coming towards us or are they going away it's like uh yeah. it looks like they're undecided right now they're coming towards us like i guess i guess we got to take them out they spot <laughs> us we don't know if they're gonna act like yeah it's a shame. Looks like they have a lot of stuff. Like we got to do it, man. It, and it, it really go, makes you bop, feel like bop. you're in Walking Dead. You're like you're in an <laughs> yeah. episode of The Walking Dead. You're like, well, we got to take him out. They got supplies, you know. <laughs> it's like they didn't even want to kill them. They just were afraid of getting killed, so they killed them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, the whole, it could be a whole episode. <sighs> we didn't know. <laughs> we, we, we didn't know what they were gonna be up to, and like we had to kill them. And it's like, and then because they killed them, zombies were alerted to the sound. Like, guess we're yeah. going on to the next town. <laughs> they only killed them because they were afraid that they were gonna get killed in return. They moved on to another town. It's it's emergent storytelling in that sort of way, which made it very interesting. But the the punishing factor of it made it feel it was a game that I don't put it in this way. I don't know anyone who did who played DayZ who did not also stream DayZ. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is a it is it is it is a performative game in that sort of way. It's a high. You can you can really role play in that game. I remember mm-hmm. watching someone take someone hostage and they are able to actually tie the, the ropes behind their back as a part of the uh, an in-game mechanic and then and they stripped them down stole all their stuff and they were just marching around i'm like oh wow that's first like you'd have to have the game to allow this kind of random rp kind of style and then also you have to have the players be willing to just buy into this whole storyline that they're making for themselves I mean, um, there's no stakes in the game, right? There is mm-hmm. you aren't trying to do anything. Yeah. Your your only goal is to have fun and tell interesting stories afterwards. And yeah. in that way, why wouldn't you go along with anything? Mm-hmm. I remember there was whole um, guilds uh, built around helping survivors. You know, it was mm. there was a thing in the game that you could build a helicopter. It took a long time and it took a lot oh, of exploration right. to bo- <laughs> go to the very hot, like dangerous hot zones filled with like zombies and possible other players to get the parts. And then so I remember this one guild had access to a helicopter. And so in the game, if you if you saved into a particular city, someone else could join into the server with their gear and mm-hmm. then go around to. And so they would like helicopter people out of hot zones that were like when they were stuck in a place that they just couldn't get out and they know they're going to die. Uh-huh. Um, so it was just hilarious to see like the uh, the kind of community that built around it. Um, but I think ultimately the problem with Daisy was that it was such a technical difficulty to play and mm-hmm. also in the, they had very little things that would help you play with other people when you spawn you spawn what first thing was that you spawned and you didn't have a map mm-hmm. so you didn't or know where you were or a compass um so you couldn't and you didn't you couldn't spawn with your friends 
And so if you wanted to play with a friend, you would have to find someone who either already knew what they were doing, or you would have to f find your way to the same town before you would even ever see each other. Mm -hmm. um, my, so experience, of... my experience playing DayZ, I spawned on a map, I walked around, did not know what to do, got eaten by a zombie, never saw a single player, said, nah, this is, nah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the experience some Minecraft players like when they first start start get the and when they don't know anything about the game and they don't know the idea of building and they just like well, I just knock trees down blah 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 that's that's really it and then they just mm -hmm. quit before they learn any <laughs> any yeah. of that I think that's what happened to you because it's like if you just go into a town you start looting and then you can find all these uh you know supplies and the whole game was essentially you're you're playing a Walking Dead like sim yeah. where you're looking for gear. And then you might encounter a player in which you get super scared as soon as you encounter a player. And then you're just hiding from them. trying, And then you have to make that decision like you're saying, oh, do I have to kill them or something? Yeah. To be clear, I really like DayZ in, in theory and concept. I, yeah. I don't want to belittle it. I'm super into this style of game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. only to watch, not to Yeah, play. but I, I totally agree. It was, very, it was very difficult to play to the point where I ended up not playing it like in general. But then so what's interesting is that what I want to highlight is that the game, the development cycle of it, it wasn't made by like a studio and the battle royale genre wasn't made by a studio that said, Hey, we want to, you know, that movie battle royale, that was awesome. Like we mm. need to like make a game out of it. They practically couldn't. Cause by the way, that movie was banned in so many countries really? for the longest time. Yeah. Mm. Like the, um, it was, it was like, it was, it wasn't even released by toy. I think it was toy studios, you know, who to does uh, toy animations. Mm -hmm. It wasn't released internationally because they were afraid they would get lawsuits because it was really? so violent it was a, it was a very violent movie and also it was a it was like a very quentin tarantino types movie but like done by a japanese director it's very grindhouse very very grindhouse. very funny in terms of it's it's so weird like in the very end i'll just give you an example of some of the weirdness of this it's a serious movie the entire time right like for mm -hmm. the most part mm -hmm. and they have like these stories about these kids who have to like make decisions between their friends and what if one of them betrays him, wants to kill them, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, um, there's a shot where the coach who's like the the, um, the high school coach who break, who drugs them all and brings them to this island is like the mastermind for this particular battle royale. Mm -hmm. He gets shot like seven times. He, he dies and then the camera pans away and he just gets up. And he just gets up, kind of like shrugs off. And the camera's on him for like no reason. He starts eating like a sandwich. And we're like, and we're, the entire time, like, we have no idea as a, as an audience member, like, why are you showing us this bit? Is this like he's he's like a, he was tricking them, or is he like a, a demon or something like that? Um, so the movie is kind of wild overall. Okay. Sorry, I got so sidetracked here. Um, but anyways, I'll just say the studio didn't design the battle royale concept. Um, so after Day Z, H one Z one was. It was a bit of, of a controversy because it was, on one hand, the first time a fully-fledged game was made for an audience that wanted to play DayZ. It, it was to hit you, essentially. They wanted people like you who wanted to play DayZ but didn't want to get through, like, the technical hurdles as well as the, you know, it's just so many challenges to start having a good experience in DayZ, right? So and they wanted was, to get more streamlined. And it was fully backed by Sony, I believe. At some uh, point. Yeah, right. exactly. They had they had funding. Of, unfortunately, I believe the problem was essentially it was too much of a rushed game, and it also had its massive amount of bugs, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's what the genre felt like early on. It felt like 
we were just slogging through these games that just could like they were just great concepts but were done by let's say non triple A developers, right? Mm-hmm. And then PUBG comes along and it's very much the same story, but they incrementally make the next step for for battle royales. And PUBG has to kind of you kind of need to recognize PUBG for what it accomplished because it really laid the groundwork for what we consider the standard battle royale right now. It mm-hmm. has everything that we're thinking, but it has the looting, it has the high, the last man standing out of a large group of players, and it has the shrinking battle zones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, I wanted to point that out as the first landmark of what a battle royale game is, because the games that all came subsequently after it, you can see its um, inception in H in in, in PUBG. Yeah. Now I would say this is the this is the Dota mod for Warcraft three of the battle royale. Yes. Genre. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If DayZ and H one Z one, they were essentially maps, and then this is like the first Dota mod, right? Yeah. And then so it has everything that you kind of want it to have, but there's a lot of improvements that could possibly happen. Um, and if you go to the next slide, we can talk about the games that came after it. Um, so PUBG like was uh, I would kind of categorize it as especially now that we have so many other battle royales to kind of compare it to it it has the realistic gunfight sim quality to it right um, mm-hmm. so it has bullet drop off and it has very realistic gun markers so you probably need to know how to sight your weapons in terms of like figuring out how the fall off is um, the movement is very human realistic kind of like a combat sim type of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a big market for that. But the problem at that time was that everyone who wanted just the battle royale experience in general had to go through that also that other lens of it too. They also had to play a combat sim, which is not the most exciting for everyone. If especially for like a game that's so punishing, a combat sim can be very harsh for someone just jumping in. Mm-hmm. So games like the the next generation, so like we have on the screen here, Fortnite, I would say Apex Legends. We have another game. Do you remember a game called Realm, Realm Royale? Realm Royale was yeah. from the people that made Paladins. Uh, you might be right on that. I don't quite remember exactly. But yeah, it's a battle royale that was, uh, it's still around, but it doesn't have the popularity as some of these other ones. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Call of Duty Black Ops came out with a battle royale mode. So what I wanted to point out as I kind of consider these the second generation of battle royales that came out. First, you had um, obviously. So the first one we have to point out is Fortnite. Fortnite is uh, probably the most prolific. Even still nowadays, it has a huge kind of following. Um, it, I thought we were talking about video games, though, not social experiences. <laughs> it's definitely a social experience now, too, if you want to play in that game. It, it, it's got a very specific culture, but that's just to say like so what was interesting is that i would categorize it as the type of battle royales that took another game and then augmented the base battle royale concept onto it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this was so obvious because there's uh fortnite uh what's it called the something something save the world the the original concept of it fortnite save the world used to be called fortnite fortnite battle royale used to be called fortnite battle royale yes yes fortnite battle royale became fortnite fortnite save the world fortnite originally became fortnite save the world it's they they completely flipped on that yeah so well also just to say that it was the other concept of the game which had the kind of base shooting mechanics third person shooter and then obviously the most important part about fortnite is the building mechanics that they Mm -hmm. took from that other 
other game. Almost the uh, ex- emphasis on Fortnite originally was the building more than the shooting, because mm-hmm. uh, the shooting mechanics in Fortnite were not good when they changed it into a battle royale game. It was not a PvP game at all. Yeah. And even to this day, playing that game, of all the battle royale games, you feel the shooting is noticeably weaker. It's it's definitely the most simple. I would say that, yeah, I, I, in terms of the skill set required, the, the ceiling for that shooting in that game is much lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's augmented by the fact that the building skill, ceiling is so much higher than mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. any other technique that you need in the, in the Funny. game. Funniest phrase I ever heard someone building, say. Building building ceiling. <laughs> that too. But funniest yeah. phrase I've heard someone say about Fortnite was when I remember I heard this, but someone asked someone, "Is Fortnite the game where you shoot someone and they turn into a house?" <laughs> it's it, pretty which, much. Which is that game? Much. It's very funny that. It, <laughs> um, but okay, so I I wanted to point out another thing that Fortnite did that kind of people didn't really talk about it as much is that it revolutionized Battle Royale's accessibility on the UI front and the user interaction with the game and game Mm. experience front. So the one thing that it standardized across the entire industry was the main game layout. So you see the three players, like if you go into your home screen at Fortnite, you see the four characters all lined up in the main screen, right? That kind of UI system, as well as the store, as much as we as players talk about what the game play about Fortnite which was that made it unique and successful I bet you so many developers and especially people who are kind of running marketing and the business side of it are looking at what the store did and mm. what they're how they were able to monetize on this massive massive like game because yeah. Fortnite like we were talking about DayZ H1Z1 and and especially and player player knows Battleground they had notoriously poor UI to handle any of their in-game actions. It was so sluggish. You would go up to a body, you'd have to go to a full stop. This menu would come up that looks like you're in a like a Windows DOS menu with drop-downs and stuff. It's so Hell difficult. yeah. Where Hell Fortnite, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, Fortnite took the pretty much the mobile gaming philosophy of making interaction UI interactions, one, pleasurable, and mm-hmm. two, simple and understanding in terms of like... They don't need to have to have multiple different types of interactions. Everything is look at something and press a button, you pick it mm-hmm. up, or you swap something, right? Also free. Uh, also also free, yeah. That The game model itself, that also kind of changed everything too, right? Because I believe at the time, wasn't player like PUBG, that was paid, right? You That wasn't a free game, It was game, paid. Right? Is it not yeah. paid still? I'm not sure. I remember, I knew a part of when Fortnite came out, and this will be a recurring theme in like all Battle Royale games, mm-hmm. is that when the next Battle Royale game comes out, you see every studio jump to start making updates that they promised the community they, they would make a while ago. Yeah. So Player Knowns Battlegrounds is still a paid game. Yeah, so exactly. Um, they didn't even make that, they haven't made that kind of jump yet either. But Fortnite mm-hmm. kind of revolutionized that sense. Um, and then another thing that Fortnite did was it, it was the first cash cow that really made everyone look at the game in terms of not just the the game developers making the money, but you have to think like how many Twitch careers and and streamers have made some sort of following based off of their Fortnite like streams or yeah. gaming sessions, right? They just made a reality TV show about multiple Fortnite streamers buying a multi million dollar <laughs> mansion and living in separate rooms. Oh my god. They did that the same thing like for StarCraft <laughs> in Korea. It was a very, very popular pre-StarCraft tournament show 
because you know you know starcraft is so popular in, in yeah. korea that like it, they have channels on tv dedicated to starcraft yeah and there would be there would be shows like that where it's like starcraft house or whatever it is yeah um Anyways, it spawns a lot of careers uh, for streamers too. So it's it's so significant in that end. But I think what happened was everyone saw the success of Fortnite and they all the studios ran to do the same thing. And you saw this is where you saw the rest of them come out because essentially Black Ops was the same thing. They took their gameplay and then they made a game mode of it and they augmented the Battle Royale concept. And Apex was the same thing with Titanfall, right? And I believe I was... Apex was more from the ground up. Really? I thought... Because they yeah. had the same guns as from um, Titanfall, but they just... They handle differently. They do. Yeah. Um, but it's more of a, like a Warzone situation where they... That's a separate executable from like anything, even right. Titanfall related. They right. they dedicated that game from the ground up to be a Battle Royale game. Mm-hmm. Where I feel with uh, Fortnite, it was definitely more of a quick pivot from an existing system. Right, rather right. than saying we're going to make the next iteration of a battle royale experience. Yeah. Well, even if they decided, even if they made like a separate project with new stuff, the fact that they were using models and guns, it's obviously they took their skill set from, mm-hmm. and, and you can see in the gameplay too with the movement style that they have, even mm-hmm. though they don't have the full set of movement, they have the sliding mechanics. Yeah. Um, so Apex brought that, and also like we always forget, but Apex revolutionized pinging systems in games. Mm-hmm. It was the first game that had a, the super solid pinging system that's in every single game now. It's even like in games like Valorant that was you know you never would have expected because it was like a Counter Strike type game. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Apex kind of brought a lot to that, and you saw all these kind of battle royales trying to see what was the right combination, and some things were good and some things weren't. And Realm Royale, for whatever reason, um, I can go. I can go into a bit of what my reason, what I think the reasons are. But Realm Royale didn't succeed um, as well. Um, it had a bit of an o- good, a decent opening, but ultimately, it didn't, in my opinion, innovate on enough mechanics. Because what I see with battle royales is that it's a new game mode that it's like you as a game designer getting to play with a brand new like frame for a car and you're like what can I put on top of this frame and how what kind of different vehicles can I make with this base like type of mode right mm-hmm. um, and you see it in the next generation of games if you go on to um, the next slide uh, real quick because after black ops you know call of duty made Warzone. And Warzone, um, in all regards, is a is a better better battle royale. I think mm-hmm. almost every regard, it's a better battle royale. Yeah. Um, they took they, all they, their base they, concepts and like improved it. Go ahead. They took the idea. I always said that they should do for a battle royale, which is uh, if you get out, you should just go play deathmatch and try to win yourself <laughs> back in. And uh, yeah. they 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 made something better than than that napkin idea that I <laughs> that I had for sure. But uh, I the like Google the Google is an interesting concept. I like the the Google that you mentioned the Google because it's essentially the industry's attempts to patch the problems that they saw in the previous battle royales. So we saw with Fortnite they patched the UI and accessibility kind of problems and then going forward every other game that came out with battle royales kind of followed the same um, philosophies. And then this in this generation um, especially as as well as Hyperscape uh, which is a new game um 
I'll talk a bit more about high hyperscape in a second, but um, in this general, they're trying to patch out the slowness of battle royales, both in Fortnite, Apex, you know, Call of Duty as well. If you can, if you consider your play session, and you consider the action level compared to like a game of like Counter Strike or something like that, where you get fighting every single round, right? Every mm -hmm. like minute or two minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Battle rails are much, much slower paced. And then mm -hmm. they have huge spikes in action in terms of the intensity. And then it's all or nothing during those kind of moments. I think these games with the ability of, to bring people back. And then also um, in Hyperscape, they add a lot of... Not only do they make it easy to bring someone back, but they bring in um, a lot of movement options. Um, mm -hmm. Hyperscape is essentially in terms of if you imagine what Call of Duty brought and augmented the battle rail concept, it's like taking a Quake or Unreal type game and augmenting the battle rail concept with that. They have you know jump pads everywhere. The jump height is building size. You're kind of Superman bounding around the world. The guns are very similar to Quake in that there's like chain guns. Um, do you reload? Grenade launchers. I you do reload, so okay. it's not. It's like uh, you do have reloads, um, but there's like rail guns, and then there's hits. The, the weapons feel very similar, and the movement feels very um, death or arena deathmatch type style, right? Okay, you said they're hit scan. Um, they have some hit scan weapons, like the chain gun is a hit scan weapon, but they also have grenade launchers and like particle like uh, particle weapons. Okay. Um, and then they do have an interesting concept that they added which I also believe is, is to try to deal with the slowness of other battle rails, which is they have this concept at the end of the game where there's like a crown that spawns mm -hmm. and whoever gets the crown and if you hold it for a certain amount of time, you'll win the game rather than nice. waiting for everyone to camp everything out, right? Awesome. Yeah, so it's an interesting concept. I don't so know how well it's worked because the few times that I've seen it, because of the game's movement option, it makes running away just super powerful. Because mm -hmm. you can just you can just hide behind tons of corners and just like protect yourself the entire time, mm -hmm. uh, so you know it's interesting. But it's essentially like the industry's attempt to try to patch these things. Because I think it's it's also just to recognize the fact that battle royales inherently have so many issues in terms of a game. It's like they mm -hmm. stumbled onto gold, but it's they've got so much crap attached to it, and they're trying to like find a way to harness the gold part. Like how how do you? But feel the problem about is, is everyone that's digging for this gold is already tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? How do you feel about the genre? Do you think it's kind of, like we talked about this? Do you want? Do we want to get into this now? <laughs> well, I I, right. I think it's a I think it's a very interesting genre. I do think it's getting a bit stale. But what do you think? So, uh, this is my relationship with battle royales. Is yeah. is I started with PUBG, right? Yeah. And that's the one I first. And and it took me a while to get into PUBG. It was yeah. blowing up at the indie studio that I was working at. Right? right everyone was playing during lunch hours and you know that's where the peer pressure comes in. like i don't <laughs> want to spend 30 minutes in a match where i'm mostly sitting in a, in a bathroom and i finally like I, I i i ponied up the money you know i got in yeah. i played it and then immediately i i got it you right. know yeah because that game gives you a certain tension that I have not felt in a multiplayer game before. Shots mm -hmm. ringing out like near you while you're in that bathtub hiding mm -hmm. is so exciting. Someone right. storms into your house and you take out two of them with a shotgun and you go back to hiding into your bathroom again. That is a <laughs> thrilling two seconds that 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 is unparalleled in most other multiplayer games that I that I've played or was unparalleled at that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's you're you're chasing a dragon at, at a certain point, right? And then I mm -hmm. eventually realized this is the same thrill over and over. It is still a 30-minute investment of time, 
Mm -hmm. uh, this is not the game that I'm going to be engaged with a long time. I am right. so glad that I had that experience with the game. I really enjoyed it. I petered off pretty hard after the first month. It kind of sounds like what my experience with um, like World of Warcraft was. Like mm -hmm. I played the first expansion and, and I loved it, but I realized that the time investment in terms of efficiency of fun that you're getting is kind yeah. of low, right? And I yeah. felt I got the enjoyment that I needed out of it, right? Yeah. And, and then I shelved it. Right. And then it comes yeah. around uh, Fortnite, right? And mm -hmm. Fortnite is bright. It's colorful. It's, colorful, it's the cool yeah. kid that everyone wants to play with, and it's free. So I played that. I got into it. I played a few rounds. I got I got a Victory Royale in a random group of people. Yeah. And and I, I, I bought a Battle Pass. You know, that was when Battle Pass were hot. So I'm like, I should probably understand how this is. And, and I kept playing it, but I never once enjoyed it like I enjoyed PUBG, right? The shooting yeah. didn't feel as good. It wasn't as mm. good. It was flashier. It was more colorful. It was more... I, I felt more compelled to play it than PUBG. It's interesting. I felt like I wanted to play Fortnite more. It's the UI Because the of US. the cosmetics, because of the UI, because mm. of the ease of play. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed it significantly less. It was and like, yet I spent uh... more time playing it than PUBG, a game that I vastly prefer. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's like... Um, it was like... It was... It was uh, like lubricated for you to like easily pass yeah. through. Like yeah. it was easy yeah. to digest, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, I, I totally understand that. And then, but then like the building stuff never clicked for me. So then eventually mm. I convinced myself to move away. And then a season pass would drop. And then be like, oh, you look at this guy. He's a werewolf. I'm like, kind of want, kind of want the werewolf. <laughs> so I play a little bit longer. And then I say, like, no, this is stupid. This is marketing. Yeah. This is, this is, I'm merely playing this because I like the way it looks not because of anything else this is a waste of time so i dropped it apex comes out and it's everything i thought i would have wanted in a game like this it plays extremely well the characters are awesome it adds abilities which are which are very cool i'm numbering things out here but mm -hmm. no one can see that mm -hmm. um i played three three matches of it and i'm like i don't think fundamentally i like battle royale there are too many things wrong with it there's the time commitment there is mm -hmm. There is the fact that once you lose and your friends keep going, you're just sitting there doing nothing, waiting for a revive. It is a lot of downtime. It is not. Mm. It's it's not Destiny Two, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I was heavily into at that time. I played three matches of Apex Legends, and that's it. That's yeah. all I invested into that game. I got heavily into Call of Duty. I love that multiplayer. I played so much of Modern Warfare, Black Ops Four, Infinite Warfare, all that. I played off. Yeah. I have not touched Warzone. Even though it added the feature that I thought would make <laughs> Battle Royales better, like adding the deathmatch stuff, adding the more respawns, giving a loadout, all these cool things. And I'm like, yes, this is a – fundamentally, as a designer, I'm really interested in these decisions you have made. <laughs> I have not launched that game because I cannot bring myself to play another Battle Royale that lasts me 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, I it's hard for me to disagree with you because – I, I'm on a slightly different spectrum. Like, I played those games, all the games that you mentioned, a bit more than you did. Yeah. I got into Fortnite a little bit. I, I personally, I think there's a version of Fortnite that I really enjoy that they've already moved away from. And the building is a very interesting concept as a game mechanic. Um, however, um, the same things happened to me with, like, all the other battle rails. Like, um, I got, you know, really into um, Apex Legends as well. Um, and I... I personally am still into those games, but the thing that you mentioned is is holds true. Like, 
after a while you realize the unless you're even if you're a super pro player like you see this in all levels in terms of um of gameplay you playing a lot of battle rails gets you pissed off because you start feeling the unfairness of the whole genre the, mm -hmm. and this is one of the kind of things i wanted to bring up in terms of its current limitations in battle royales is that they're inherently uncompetitive mm. like if you have imagine the systems that you have in battle rails in any sport like possible like if you have hockey where people just get random sticks right and some people's just, you, at the beginning of the game you just get random sticks and whoever gets the stick first and some people have this short ass stick some people have like a stick that doesn't have like a a, a curve at the end or something like that like and then you're just like okay i wonder it's it's not a fair game and no one wants to compete on that level right? and the audience is throwing more sticks in yeah and there's just random stuff that yeah and then they keep changing the rules all the time yeah so the it's weird that battle rails have made that so acceptable one thing that i've noticed that like they still haven't patched in any of the battle rails although it's less obvious in hyperscape because it's easy movements easier is that most battle rails have this extremely high rng dependence for one mm -hmm. and then at the beginning of the round they have an extremely high punishing gameplay system uh dependent on whoever gets the first gun or loot system or like mm. loot that drops right so mm. almost all of them give you no weapons to start off so immediately if someone gets any weapon they are essentially one versus zero against you right like you have no chance because you have no weapon and no way to actually fight back I find that so strange in any game because all of these games, every single one you mentioned, Call of Duty, Apex, Fortnite, they have tried to get their competitive scene going. Can you go to the next slide for a second real quick? Yep. Because that's the next thing I want to talk about. So they all have tried to get, and Fortnite especially had so, and probably still does, have so much money invested into their esports scene, which... Mm -hmm. If we're going to be honest, like even though Fortnite is still a functional business for so many people and so many streamers and, you know, this tournament's running, it's I think it's very clear that none of the competitive side is taking off. And the esports community is nowhere near the level that you would expect for a game that has that much really? money involved. I thought, doesn't it have like a huge prize purse? I, I had assumed it was pretty big. The initial tournaments had huge prize purses, like million dollar prize purses, but there's yeah. already, there's a lot of players who actually haven't been paid by Epic still. And there's a lot of outstanding kind of claims against them. Oh. And then as well, this is this is a huge problem that I see in all esports scene, which I, I really hope they fix, but I don't know if they will is the idea that you can just pour money onto the scene and then it will grow. Mm. Because if you look at all the, because they're trying to emulate other scenes that are super um, lucrative, like let's say Counter-Strike, right? Mm -hmm. Dota um, um, or, or League of Legends. All these games have massive amounts of uh, like economic value coming into from the tournaments, the players, the streamers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those are all built off of more grassroots efforts and levels in the community. Um, the tournaments are run not just exclusively by the the game owners, although Riot, you know, has control over it. They still allow tournaments from other places. Um, but like the, the Counter Strike, for example, there are so many more local tournaments and people, and a, a way for the people to grow the game in terms of and play it how they want to play it. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you saw in Fortnite was that there's this massive prize pool, but there you could go through the and whether you not you agree with some of the balancing changes or not there's a lot of a lot of players that have turned away from fortnite because of the way the game has been balanced mm. i mean and i, I feel, would say sorry no and i would just say that the general 
feeling on their sense is that it's been balanced to take away competitiveness. Mm -hmm. I feel that's intentional on the part of developers as well, because mm -hmm. you look at what they focus on with their social events, like the mm -hmm. Thai dollar sign concert. Or the uh, yeah, Mar Marshmallow. <laughs> that's his name. So what is that? His name is Marshmallow. That, that's oh. the character up on the screen. That's, gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, like doing business deals to get Captain America into the game, to get Thanos yeah. into the game, to get yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. the the premiere of the of the Tenet, the new yeah. Christopher Nolan movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. into the game. <laughs> Deadpool. Uh, it's becoming a social hub, right? Yeah. It becomes yeah. a thing you go to hang out with your kids with your with your kids. It becomes a game you you hang out with your classmates during recess. Yeah. You know? I, th I think that's I think that's a really good point, and I think that that's probably the answer that that's kind of the unsaid answer. I don't think that they could ever go out and say, "Hey, we don't really want to like focus as much on our esports," because uh, which is a, which is a bit of a shame to me because like it's undeniable that the Fortnite's growth has kind of petered off. I think it's seen a bit of the same thing that WoW saw. I'm not sure WoW's numbers are now because of um, WoW Classic, but you know WoW had this huge like golden age period and then it started to drop off as players kind of either grew tired of the current content or 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 stuff just wasn't mm -hmm. changed or people just stopped stopped playing because things weren't weren't kind of new i think that's where fortnite kind of is right now it's still you know i'm not gonna say it's a dead game because it's obviously being played quite heavily by a lot of players still yeah um but it's there's i do see a bit of a staleness in their scene and the competitive side like i haven't seen any solutions to some of these other issues that if you wanted to have a good competitive scene like for example the first tournament they did and subsequent tournaments it's extremely hard to follow anyone when there's a hundred players in the game and they're all at varying points of action so mm -hmm. let's say in the course of uh, uh, a Fortnite game you have 10% of it is action and 90% of it is going to be looting or positioning yourself mm -hmm. right so how do you capture when that one per when that 10% happens what happens is most of the time you're watching someone break down a tree or pick up like a chest or run through the forest or something like that. Mm. And then they're trying to catch the action, but then they're clipping through and it's just it's just chaos. Mm -hmm. And then and then what's exacerbated is that the gameplay side of it. And this is this is prevalent in other um, BRCU is that camping is way too powerful mm -hmm. in almost every aspect of battle royales. Mm -hmm. There's no incentive to kill someone when your only goal is to be the last man standing, like, why would you take that risk? Why would you put yourself in a situation where you might lose? Um, and then there's almost usually no gains from, from initiating a fight. That's and, also the, the problem I have playing that game as well. So, and this is, this is, this is something that the community wanted. Like, so one of the, one of the patches, which is, I find it so strange is that Fortnite added in this ability to siphon kills. So like, if you kill someone, you get a small portion of health back interesting and this this really helps eliminate some of the biggest problems in battle rails which is the another thing is the third personing it's the idea that it's better to jump onto a fight after someone else has fought yeah right so yeah. a lot of they put this in and then people loved it and then they took it out and what? people wanted it back to this day and this is the problem with me fortnite because there's patches where they have these great mechanics that come out of nowhere. Like for example, there's a there used to be a weapon swap called the double pump meta, where you can mm. double pump someone. Uh, allows you to really quickly kill someone. Ken, this is a family TV. show. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it was it was it was in terms of watching streamers, it was very entertaining because it took a bit of skill, 
it was i didn't think it was quite unfair but it was also allowed you to dominate certain players that you know it, it was very showcasey mm-hmm. but they took that out and they have all these other things where they tried but then they decide to keep those things out but put in things that are kind of rng that help level the playing field so that a newer player can beat a seasoned vet mm-hmm. right or had a less like less of a skill disparity um so all those actions kind of pushed it away from being like anything that you would want to be competitive like can you imagine if you were a professional player in a sport and you're trying to make your career off of being good but the mm-hmm. game is inherently designed so that it's constantly trying to put you in a situation where it doesn't matter whether you're good or not it's, mm-hmm. what, it's whether you got the right roll of the dice or got the weapon first mm-hmm. so i think that as a as a whole is really holding back battle royales um if you go to the next slide this is another problem with particularly fortnite is that it's <laughs> what am i looking it's at incredibly here? hard to watch like what you're looking at is the end game of a tournament or wow. competitive game in that everyone... It's just a lot of stairs and towers all stacked up on each other. Yeah. So Fortnite, this, the circle, the quote-unquote circle is a circle. So then it shrinks and you can build up. And then no one wants to essentially fight. So they all stay in their own little holes until the circle moves. In which case they all have to jump out of their holes and build. But you're getting this giant like column in the air of people building. And that's when all the action takes place. Which is not necessarily unfun, but it's it's horrible to watch. You have no idea what's going on because everyone's in a mad scramble, and everyone's inside their own like little cube, and they open the cube, and make another cube, and they run up to the next cube, and they close the cube, and that's the entire gameplay. It's it's not very fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not like you're watching one person fight another person, and you see how well they're skilled, and you see what they do to build them, um, and then get the kill. Like it's too chaotic. So essentially, it has no, it has no audience value. So that that's a key point to to esports is the audience value, and you see mm-hmm. that in games right now. Like Valorant is struggling, not struggling, but they're they're quickly needing to adapt their observer camera so that, like, you can have a camera in a in a a, a tournament, right? Like in a if you're hosting an international tournament like Counter Strike does, they have all these UI elements that are built into the game to help make it easier for players to watch. Like they have their gu- everyone's gun loadout on the side, stuff like that. Mm, mm. So they haven't made that. It's hard to find it. Hard to think of an advancement in technology that would help solve this particular issue in battle rails, right? The camping mm. issue and the chaotic mm-hmm. ending. And the next screen, like, is the example of the same problem, but in Apex. Apex still has the camping problem. Um, it's you, there are characters that you can essentially build build wires and trap zones inside buildings, and the building becomes camping hubs. And so the mm. game is essentially a bunch. And it, what's ironic is that another thing that's really hard is that for large games like a hundred player games, sixty player games like Apex, like it's hard to find scrims as you're a pro player to develop the competitive side. You mm. can't play with pubs because if you're deciding to go into a tournament, then if everyone is as good as you in terms of skill set, the games play completely different than if you're playing with public players, mm. right? To the point where I've seen in every battle royale game, pros complain nonstop about when they play in pubs like wow these people just push me and it's so stupid because you never push someone in pro and how do we how can we get scrims like this when it's not good practice because there's not they're not playing like pros and it's essentially like a sign of how how the meta of the game is so different than the average player player's perspective in terms Mm. of the average players play they'll they'll have a fun experience but at the highest level the meta the best option you know, I don't know if this is the actual term, but the you know meta sense for most efficient efficient tactics or taking action, right? Mm-hmm. So the best play for everyone to make is to camp because 
it, why take that risk, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the problem with Battle Royales now, and you see games like Hyperscape try to figure that out with the crown system so they can get away from the idea that, you know, the last man standing, but how do you make it so that everyone still wants to kill each other and stuff and has, like, a good time and has like, yeah. good plays? I, I don't often, particularly know. I often wonder uh, with the case of Battle Royale because what I ultimately enjoyed about that game was not so much how it worked, the design of it. Mm-hmm. It was more the emotion I got from it, right? Yeah. The and kind of that's the big contrast right? for me between PUBG and Fortnite is I played Fortnite out of out of like the aesthetic and the popularity and the marketing of it. And PUBG I enjoyed for that brief moment that I played it was because of the emotion that I got that tension. It yeah. it, it made me feel something that I wanted to to feel more for, for yeah. a set amount of time before it wore out, wore out its own come. So I almost feel the 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 popu- the popularity of a of a battle royale in the future might not even be beholden to a lot of the mechanics you associate with them right now. The looting, mm-hmm. for example, the mm-hmm. the circle, the way the way it goes. There is some sort of other combination of mechanics that will generate that feeling of tension and reward and success that you can fit into a fifteen minute match. And it may not even resemble anything at all like a battle royale, but that ultimately to me is what I want. I, I feel so I find it so I think it's uh, really interesting you said that because it's a part of what I think the evolution of the genre needs I think right now like I, it's getting a bit stale if I look at the past iterations that in the third generation category that I just had with you know Call of Duty Warzone and then Hyper Hyperscape if you look at the quote-unquote innovations they're adding it's so incremental it's such a small increment in terms of the next level compared when you look at the previous mm. genre and the previous genre and the previous generations like they've it's made also additive, jumps. right? It's additive. It's more think... stuff, but it's not changing the fundamental stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what the genre, I think that's where eventually the genre will go is that people will stop trying to make a specifically a bad Royale game, but take the idea of bad Royale and see where it will function elsewhere to help. So it's, it's almost like in a painting in painting, um, Maybe you discover a new color. Let's say everyone discovered the color purple, which historically was actually a very difficult color to produce with mm. oils because mm. the pigment was very rare. You had to make it from uh, like crushed uh, uh, seashell animals and stuff like that. Right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was the only way that they could get in the past. So, so you, if you look back in the day, blue or purple clothing was very rare because it was essentially no dye to make it. And same thing with for paintings. They had less color available. But then eventually modern practices came and blue became available. So it's almost like a lot of artists got um, blue available. And so they would paint these paintings that are all blue, blue dominant, right? Hmm. But the thing about color is that sometimes having blue as a secondary unlocks so many other possibilities with your other colors. And I see the same thing with battle royales is that the idea of battle royale can unlock so many more interesting modes in different genres. And I'll give you a couple examples. But one example that you're talking about because what I see with what you were talking about and what you loved about PUBG and possibly DayZ was that it was it felt like a massively multiplayer online Last of Us game, right? Mm. It felt kind of like you were looting. You had this other objective, but then there's this wild element that could come in at any time. But because it's a mainly lower, smaller paced game that eventually yeah. heightens up, you get that tension. You feel 
the tension because of how calm and more simple it was in the previous like section right yeah um, honestly the, lo the looting is is so much less the part of me looting is feels like an a necessity to, to have to have a passive thing that no one is threatening mm -hmm. you in the time but mm -hmm. you are vulnerable doing yes right yeah yeah, and, and exactly. That's that's yeah. the core. If we break it down into into the emotions that I enjoyed, it's it's the vulnerability while doing something necessary, mm -hmm. and the surprise surprise of having something awful happen to you. And mm -hmm. it's the interplay between those two, yeah, that create that emotion of tension, yeah, yeah. and excitement. So, exactly. So you know, I bet you there's better ways for us to get that. Like, let let me propose a hypothetical game for you let's take the, sure. let's take the fallout universe right mm -hmm. and let's take the daisy concept and put those together and we say we have a follow-up persistent server universe where you can loot around one of the maps say the washington map or something like that right but you can encounter players there anytime and then you have your own you can even have your own campaigns like a mmo but you're constantly looting through areas where someone might be able to kill you with a gun etc etc and that is this whole just Fallout 76? <laughs> uh, that maybe that's what Fallout 76 tried to be, but you know, Fallout 76 had its issues, and I'm not sure where it is right now. But possibly, right? It could be a game out there that's exactly like that. But that's the idea. Like, where you take like this battle rail parts of battle rail and add it into like a bigger concept. Um, and if you go to like, go to like my last slide. This is like my ultimate dream. I uh, I'll okay, I want to put it out there to like, see if it's possible. Drum roll. So I'm super hyped about squadrons. Oh, of course you would do this. <laughs> and I think that, uh, I think that the fucking fighter pilot genre is perfect for oh. a battle royale type mode. Yes. Right? Like it's so perfect. Yes. It's, it's it it could work so well. Um, everything's you know they tried to do this with cars already. They did it. They they have a car battle royale. Auto royale from H1Z1. Yeah. Um. Essentially, it's less fun because I don't know the car car genre is smaller, even though it's fun. Like it's it's, it's smaller, but you know I think squadrons is going to be something huge, or just fighter pilots in general. And you can imagine like oh, you can the power ups are already there, the mechanics are already there, but the main gameplay mode is so different than what most battle royales have, where it's like a gunship or like a fighter pilot type of thing. Where I would love to see some something like that get sprinkled in there. And you know it it would be so much fun. I would I would I would definitely love to be the last pilot standing. You know. I got a pitch for you. Yeah, what's that? I got a pitch for you. What? All right. So you got a big space map, right? Yeah. And everyone is a mercenary, <laughs> and there is this big war between these two empires. Everyone wants to make the most money, right? <laughs> and their money yeah. is stored on their ships. Right. And they're going around doing contracts. For for these different sides, like oh, you gotta escort escort these guys, uh, get them over the over the the imperial border and and uh, smuggle them through, or you gotta deliver this bomb. And so you take this contract and you got all your ships and you're moving through, uh, space, and then suddenly two guys jump out and they got their <laughs> ships and they have a contract on you because you are working <laughs> for the opposite side. Essentially, that's what I would love because then you know. Battle Royals already have that. I think someone, which game is it? But they added contracts in into a Battle Royale where you can really. Um, I think it's like something like you can. That it might be. It might be Warzone. I I don't want to. I haven't. I haven't gotten too much into Warzone, so I can't be sure. But I think it's something like you can get a contract to try to kill someone that's specifically on the match that you're playing. Mm. 
I, anyways, I would freaking love that. I would freaking love that to be able. But that's to, not like, a battle royale a- game. That is that is a that is a that is a server based massive online game. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with huge penalties. This oh look at mm. look at how tasty this is. This goes <laughs> back to what Day Z was. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Right. You mean. Like that is have, what like, that game was. It's a big map. While you yeah. have while you don't have an objective, your objective is to survive. But mm. in our space battle multiplayer palooza. You want to get the most money so you can have the biggest ship. That would be really you know? interesting too. At like, certain I would, point, I would this love just to see becomes that Eve well. Online, though. <laughs> so you got to be careful. You got to limit it somehow. <laughs> um, and you see some of that already happening in Eve, right? Eve Online has some of these crazy, crazy player-made type like galactic battles and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's uh, Eve also suffers from the same problem, right? Now. Maybe it doesn't, but I think it has the same problem as Daisy. Where it's like ext- extremely hard to get into for a new player, mm-hmm, as much mm-hmm. as the community. I know the community has made a lot of efforts to make it easier, and that's very, like, it's very impressive by the community itself. But the game itself is very difficult to get into yeah. for for a newbie. Whereas I think you I have to constrain this- it down in a way in a way like yeah. this. Like it, it just make it server based. You have an account, sort of like Escape from Tarkov, which we haven't even talked about. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I should have mentioned that. That was another genre that was kind of fascinating because that does take more from H one B one and Daisy style, right? But but it, it's it's restricting it to to sort of a, a single server based, and what you take with you is your character. Yeah, and you have that tension of at any time I can lose anything, and of course. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing that I always want to do is like restrict limits on that. Sort of how Escape from Tarkov does. You lose yeah. what you take with you, right? If you die, yeah. but you can gain so much more. But you're, right. you're not, you're not wiped clean, right? Yeah, and, and you, you have, have some like sort a of base progression, or something, right? Yeah. So in our space battle game, you join a server, and then it's populated with the contracts. You go, you take the contracts, it helps along, or you you hunt people, right? Like yeah. like you Sea of Thieves like style, PvP right? Yep. Like this is Sea that of Thieves. That would be really fun. And this is Sea of Thieves in space with, with, oh, with more players. See, this is all taking stuff that we have learned. <laughs> and we're building this. And you have that tension, right? You have yeah. that tension that I enjoy. And you and you I'm... have systems that build upon that. And you get rid of all the stuff. There's no camping because your whole goal is to make more money. You want to get the better ships. You want to get better weapons. This is a fun game. We, someone should make this. <laughs> I'm sold. I also, like, part of it is that I think that the... Um, you know, flight, I don't know what you call it, flight combat, like, uh, sure. category sure. is is very, is primed to blow up if there are some innovations in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do you, like, imagine what, um, just look at what Mario Kart's done in its own uh, iterations every game, right? Like, mm-hmm. the innovations that they've made with the drifting and the abilities and the items and stuff like that. Like I think that that's what the genre needs. It's like a, a more innovation on the movement style for like ships and stuff. That's why I'm so excited for um, squadrons. For squadrons, because it's it's gonna bring it back into the forefront and it's gonna bring it back in a way that could be really really exciting. I'm gonna play it in VR, a hundred percent. Hell it's yeah, a hundred percent in VR. Hell yeah. You have no idea how fun it's gonna how like fun it is to like look in one direction while you're flying in another direction, be able to scan the sky like mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, that's pretty much it. All I had for battle royales. I think yeah. it's a very interesting genre. I'm kind of interested to see where it goes next. It di- it does feel slightly stale in my opinion, but I think that there's obvious there's obviously something there in terms of they've hit some sort of you know uh, what do you call it like a, a a pleasure point in gamers that they haven't figured out exactly what it is yeah. and where it can be applied. 
but it's yeah. like when the turn-based rpg first came out you know and everyone's like whoa wait a minute that's mm-hmm. a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everyone starts to iterate and see what they can do with that particular style. And then we get tired of turn-based RPG and says, like, well, what if you could move around the field and you just had yeah. to manage resources? <laughs> RTS? <laughs> no, I was thinking specifically, like, uh, like action RPGs. Oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the like Fable ones, yeah. or The Witcher yeah. or... Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was just a combination of two other genres, so... I like that the uh, Battle Royales is like a new, almost like yeah. a new element that we get to play with and combine in different ways. It, always, always to me, it's game mechanics always boil down to emotions and players, right? And I don't think the success of any one game is dependent on what mechanics they use, but it's more dependent on what emotion they generate in a player, right? A successful yeah. survival horror game makes a player feel stressed and anxious and successful when they get through by the skin of your teeth. That makes a successful survival horror game. It's not specifically the inventory management. It's not specifically the enemies you're fighting. It is all those combined that generate that emotion. You can get the I... same emotion from a battle royale in a different sort of game. And to me, at this mm-hmm. point, they're just making a battle royale game for the sake of replicating those mechanics to hit on that same emotion. Yeah. But that, and They're that's not... where the stale part comes from, right? Mm-hmm. None of these games it... are bad. Like, let's let's say that off the bat. None of these games are Honestly. bad because they're made with mechanics that work by teams that are extremely capable. Yeah, They're failing to hit their point because they're just repeating the same thing, right? I see that. Don't you see that in so many games? And, yeah. And you see it all over multiple industries, including the art industry. It's just, you know, people look, they want recipes for success. But it takes a lot for someone to understand how to how to actually craft it. Like we were talking about, you know, Spider-Verse last episode and the beauty was that they were so familiar with their tools. They were real experts with their tools. And I feel like that's what's kind of missing in some of these uh, newer games. Like I, I really feel it in some games. Like I felt it in Hyperscape that like it, it felt like they were trying to hit those check marks, but they don't know the tools of the gameplay mechanics they're putting together well enough to put something together super sharp and unique mm-hmm. um they're just trying to go through the motions and maybe this will be the success it's the same thing where how every mmo that came after wow like came out and, and none of them were able to really dethrone it or even challenge it for a while right? rest in peace Wildstar. <laughs> yeah exactly like does anyone like, remember Wildstar, or did i just like hate I myself i remember Wildstar. <laughs> i obviously didn't play it <laughs> But it was also because I didn't play any MMOs after uh, after World of Warcraft. That's valid. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's true. I think that it would be interesting to see someone with a b- better mastery of the the techniques. Because mm-hmm. you're right. Like Ultimately, it's the emotion that we want to get. But it is the, the specifics of how we get there are those gameplay mechanics and, and, yeah. and you know, experiences. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Speaking of emotions... Let me tell you yeah. about the emotions of having 200 cars race around a single track <laughs> and about the tension and excitement you get from that because that is actually pretty similar, which is why I thought it was interesting we saddled Trackmania together with our Battle Royale yeah. experience. Trackmania is very interesting as a, as a game in its uh, in its own. Yeah. You know, like it's it's a very different take on like uh, a genre that was kind of super stale it almost feels like a super quiet indie game even though it's got a it's got a huge following well it has because it's been 
old. It's old. It's been around since 2003, and it hasn't fundamentally changed in many different ways. The core mm-hmm. idea of Trackmania, for people that aren't familiar, it is sort of the Hot Wheels game that you always wanted. It is yeah. crazy tracks um, with extremely fast cars, and it's time trial focused. So you're racing mm-hmm. in these tracks that have loop de loops, crazy jumps, um, mm-hmm. very tight corners. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that you are trying to nail to get the fastest time. And the preferred way t- for me to play this game is online because similar to a Battle Royale game, it is many cars, depending on which server, even up to 200. Mm-hmm. I have footage on screen crazy, showing, showing me playing in a 200-player server with at least yeah. 120 people. Wow, getting a top score with 200 people must feel so good. Uh, it must be, <laughs> and I'll never do it because you'll see the leaderboard at the end. Uh, the Germans and the French are amazing at this game. That's so funny. It is it, it is almost entirely dominant. It's like they're playing a different game. But the thing about Pet Trackmania that is that is so emotionally resonant is that it does give me that tension. Because you have these tracks that are between maybe as low as 15, 15 seconds to as high as a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And any wrong move that you make in this game can destroy your time and your hopes of succeeding. And the matches yeah. are about five to eight minutes in length. So you have only this amount of time to make a good time on your leaderboard while you're watching all these other cars race around the track. <laughs> yep. It is yep. one of the most thrilling and unique online racing experiences that I have had. And I love Track Mania to bits. I loved it ever since I played it. Uh, online in high school on the IT lab computers. Wow, 2003. I hadn't realized it was such. It is a long game. time. It is a long. I was still in elementary wow. school when they made the first version of this game. Later on, I they think... made a version that was in a in a in a web in in the web, and oh, that's the okay. version that I started with. Is the version that was made okay. available on the web, and you could just yeah. play it in your browser. Uh, eventually, it would go on to spawn a bunch of other expansions and environments. They would make Trackmania 2 back at the start of the previous generation, do different environments for that, start this Mania Planet system where they also made Shoot Mania and Quest Mania, which didn't take off at all. <laughs> uh, and so, then- I have a question. Just, sorry, go ahead. Has the community tools always been available in this game to be make your That own has always been a big driving yeah. factor as far as I'm aware of, as far as I, I started playing Track Mania, which was Track Mania, after the browser one is where I got serious, was uh, Track Mania Nations which mm-hmm. had a free version that mm-hmm. had you was allowed you to play, I think, five games on a server uh, every 20 minutes. Yeah. That's how they limited. Or you could pay a lump sum, I think, of 30 bucks, and that got oh. you access to unlimited server play times and uh, a bunch of offline tracks that you could play and compete on leaderboards that way. I, th- I find that... I find that that's like the, a super key component that so many studios underutilize is the community map building yes. possibilities. That's actually the, the core of, of of this talk that I wanted to have is how yeah. integral uh, user-generated content is to a game. Because uh, yeah. this game, which is just called Trackmania, it's ostensibly a reboot of Trackmania Nations, which is the yeah. one that I was involved uh, the most in. Uh, we're just going to call it Trackmania 2020 going forward, <laughs> just for simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trackmania 2020 launched uh i think two weeks ago at this point maybe less it was on july the first yeah um and it has 
uh, a few tiers of subscriptions. There's the free version, right, which you can't you can only play on playlist servers, which cycle throughout the day, and you get yeah. limited access to the campaign and leaderboards, and you can't join clubs. Ten dollars yeah. gets you into the uh, the the more common tier, which lets you play on any server you want. You can search any club and join their servers. You can't join the clubs themselves which are the social spheres of the game where you can uh compete with other players in that club so you're not tracking your rank between all the german players who are insanely good so that's like being on like the official like ranking yes you're always on the official ranking any version you play will show you your ranking in your province or state right um in your country and in the world Okay. Uh, so already like I, I was i was playing the game and i was like top in bc and i was feeling pretty happy nice. with myself nice. and a lot of like the campaign stuff and then i played online and it got destroyed by germans and i'm like yeah this is this is trackmania mm-hmm. this is how it goes mm-hmm. sounds about right um but that's where the tier the the 30 tier gets you into the clubs and you can like compete with your friends and clubs and different servers and, and sort of build your communities i'm part of one of these communities for uh which i'm not gonna name uh because i don't want people to stop me there (laughs) Uh, just kidding it's a it's a giant bomb community it's the one they've always had for for trackmania 2 and trackmania nations oh that's awesome and uh they've built up their own club for this so you're competing against ranked people who you recognize names of they're people you've played with before uh and that's all community based right yeah and this is the real Trackmania that that I loved, right? It is it yeah. is a fun game, but where it gets real good, it's when you play these crazy custom tracks that people made. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're playing it on this customized server that they're running a dedicated server on, and it is playing the filthiest techno remixes of songs. <laughs> you're listening to Share and like My Heart Will Go On. Oh, that's and, 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 and like crazy techno <laughs> remix. You're hearing techno mashups with like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. And it is and it is just the stupidest music. It takes and I and I love it. The internet. And like I the love it. Days of gaming, it's yeah. so funny. Where you could just have Blair anything you want over voice comms or something. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds great because it's integrated into the server. There's oh, yeah, like track true. voting. Um, you can upload your tracks to the the server creator, and and they'll drop it in there. So if oh, you make nice. your own tracks, he'll he'll like run it by, and people can vote on them. And then based on the vote, they can decide which tracks stay. So it's constantly changing. It feels like a living, breathing community that right. I'm just a small part of, right? Yeah. And, and 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 that is Trackmania to me. But Trackmania is more than that to so many people. What I'm showing here in, in, in video footage right now for the past few minutes are only full speed tracks. Right. Full There's speed so many tracks. Other tracks. Full speed tracks are tracks that you can ostensibly run without letting off the accelerator. Germans right. love these tracks. <laughs> and if you've, been, if you've been watching like the leaderboards, all of them are filled with with Germans and, and, and one one Jamaican guy who looks kind of lost that, and he's doing extremely well. But the rest of it is all German flags. Yeah. And they love that type. Later on in the video, you'll see I'll jump to a technical tracks. <laughs> technical tracks are shorter, but uh, have interesting little quirks and tricks or more depend on you hitting apexes. Um, or are you understanding that if you break in the middle of the air, your car will stop rotating um, ah, and you can get better speed that way. It's finding these little tricks. They'll give you that little extra millisecond. And they'll put it on top of leaderboards. Those are the types of tracks that I enjoy. Um, you know why I think the Germans are so good at that full speed one? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they got the auto bond. 
Oh, real that's life interesting. Yeah. Full speed track. <laughs> the traditional real life full speed track. It's like, oh yeah, I'm used to this. No problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do you need a break if it's just a away? <laughs> so true. So um, true. It's, it, and, it, and it's great. Um, and, and, and so there's different types of trackmania that people enjoy playing. It is so yeah. diverse and it's so based on those different communities. To me, trackmania is is those crazy custom tracks with the crazy loops and 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 the and the crazy songs playing in the background. And I have fun playing those and ranking with the people that I've done this mm-hmm. done done this with before and and, and enjoyed it in in the past. Um, you know what I love about track media is that it almost encapsulates the perfect, um, you know, like alpha gray block game that yeah like, just gets, yes. keeps getting iterated but gets super super polished and super fun. You know, they yeah, just have yeah. the basics there. Yeah, I love it. It's it's def- it definitely has that feeling and that feeling of fresh con. People finding out different things to do with with yeah. custom tracks, using them in different ways, bending them to 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 their whims. But you can also straight up upload meshes to the track editor. Oh, right. Nice. In pre in previous iterations, you could do that. You can load custom car models. So there's people <laughs> that are running around as like the DeLorean. The, Trackmania <laughs> is the game that you wanted when you watched uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. There's yeah, people running out as a DeLorean. There's people running around as Sonic the Hedgehog, oh and he's God, being chased hilarious. by another guy who's playing as Doctor Robotnik <laughs> in his like Eggmobile. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. It is. It is. It is pure joy encaps- encapsulated in a multiplayer in a multiplayer environment. And everyone, everyone that I've played Trackmania with has just been the nicest people. They're just there to have fun, having fun rivalry ri- rivalries where you're like, "Oh, Clappy, you got first by me by just ten milliseconds. I'm gonna get you on the next track." And it's so fast, right? Because it's just five minutes. You're back yeah. into it. There's no hard feelings. You know, there's just that constant mm. goal. You're swapping strategies like, oh, if you hit this apex on this track in this way, or if you let off the gas here, then that's going to give you a faster time. Yeah. It, 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 it is, it, it's, it's built up such a pure and fun community while still preserving that fun tension that I, that I mentioned before that you have mm. in the Battle Royales of it. At moment, things can go wrong and you lose everything. Mm. At any point mm. where you're making those tracks, especially on the full speed ones, if you make any mistake, your one minute that you were trying to to get just a few milliseconds under is gone and you're back to the start. You can mm-hmm. lose so much in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But the punishment isn't so severe because you just start off. And if you're having yeah. a really bad track, just hold on for another four minutes. You're back to a brand new one. Probably yeah. something you've never seen before. Yeah, it's super quick. There's no downtown d- downtime like in yeah. Battle Rails that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it is such a special game for me that it hits all those crucial notes you know what i think it is in it, from what i see like i i, I played track media with some friends uh, and but i obviously didn't get into the community as much uh, as like, you're talking about mm-hmm. but what i love about this community and some other communities i've seen it, is that like it just highlights how well um the community is at finding the fun in a game Mm-hmm. And that, like, if you just allow your community the tools and ability to do it, they will find it. And I think if you look at almost, like, name the, some of the most successful multiplayer games out there right now. Just name mm-hmm. some of them. Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 what do you can, what, what, what would you come off the top of your head right now? The top multiplayer games right now? Just, like, one of the biggest, most successful, like, metrics of multiplayer games. Minecraft, right Roblox. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say Minecraft is a great example, right? Yeah. Like, 
Minecraft. I feel like those be... are quietly the most successful games still, right? Yeah, quietly or or not quietly, because we'll have different examples. But Minecraft's a great example because that ha also has a massive modding community to it. Mm -hmm. Communities mm -hmm. that open graphics packs that make all these options for how you want to play. You know, there's a battle royale Minecraft mod, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that you can make this game and allow your players to to change it to what they want and then they now have a perfect game for them mm -hmm. whereas i've seen so many issues like i just want to use blizzard as example with starcraft because starcraft by all any expectations should have been the one of the biggest esports uh, scenes out there right now starcraft mm -hmm. 2 because mm -hmm. it, it hit at a perfect time with a perfect cultural zeitgeist for starcraft 1 coming out of it but I think the problem with them is that they strangle, like there was a stranglehold on the creative side of the community. Mm. First off, their their marketplace for maps mm. was under full Blizzard control, and the really? second thing, well, it's one Blizzard had to publish that. through their servers. Before, in in you know Warcraft or Starcraft one, mm. you could share a physical file to someone to get them to try your map. Nice. Here, you cannot do that in Starcraft two unless you publish it on their online server stuff and then from that point there's no way to like it's very very difficult for someone to find your map like mm. i went through that process it's almost it's not the same right mm. and then they had this paid element but another thing was that if you look at uh like overwatch or other 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 fps's right now most of them don't allow community made maps anymore and if you look mm. at counter-strike almost all of their best maps are community made Mm -hmm. Almost every single one that's in yeah. Remember, mode. remember Level Lord and all those levels yes. where where they were very small in a very big mm -hmm. environment, like in a kitchen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's um, De Mouse or something like that, where you're yeah. like the size of a mouse. There were so many fun games that I had, uh, like memories that I had playing those different modes, and it was like unique fun that was only available to like if they allowed us to mod. Whereas like nowadays you would never get that ability with like Overwatch, even though they have, they have that like modding capability that they added in there with the toolkit. Mm. It's not nearly as accessible enough like like a game like Trackmania where you could build your own levels and you know like Trackmania has such great stuff. Like they have the um. The thing where it's not even a race, it's just you can see the level and then you just press forward and then it goes through some crazy acrobatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, jump yeah. through like these hairline curves and stuff. Like that stuff is, is stuff that's so unique that you won't be able to express in another game that shunts its community, right? Yeah. So, and it's definitely, it's something like I said, Trackmania is different things to, to so many different people. And it's mm -hmm. because of the flexibility, because of their availability of putting out the source code for you to be able to run your own dedicated servers. Mm -hmm. For example, in these videos, you see all these tags and these leaderboards down at the bottom, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. None of that is in the game by default. Right. This so, is like the, this big, this big like pane over here that shows like the top people on the server, how people are doing today, how people have have done, how many people have joined, how many people have played and finished the most tracks. All that is stuff that like shockingly, considering the game has only been out for for a week and a half. People have already built up and have been adding onto their own custom oh, servers. Trackmania's only been out for a week and a half. Yeah. So, oh, Tra this is a new one. I, this I've is Trackmania 2020. About the one. No, okay. this wow, is Trackmania 2020. This is Damn. stuff that's happening right now. I'm so behind on this in this <laughs> in this field there. Wow. Okay. I got. Uh, wow. That's crazy. That's great to hear though that they've already been. To they've already. In one, they're, 
literally literally the guy on the giant bomb servers i've been like hanging out there in, in the channel and we've been that. playing on on just the campaign tracks you know for for a while for the first like four days mm -hmm. and then i think only like four days ago the guy had a dedicated server up and it was playing the oh, trashy beautiful. music we love already i love dedicated servers uh, do, do you i feel like that uh, you can correct me if you feel differently but i feel like there is almost like sometimes a bit of a resentment that i feel in in game design whoever is doing game design decisions at bigger studios that they like don't like that the community has found something that they didn't think of you know hmm. i see I that know. a lot i don't in, know let's i don't say, know i don't smash, know about like if you look at smash brothers melee hmm. there were so many techniques that they specifically took out of the game in the next iteration that was accidental that they found in the first iteration that people mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. like, do you ever feel that well, they feel were like, there's like a bit of resentment? those are those are fixing bugs ken yeah they're yeah fixing <laughs> not supposed but, to like, wave you know dash I mean? Like it's you not the that, intention of the Fortnite game. Too, where they took out patches that people loved for some reason, right? So like, I wonder yeah, what... that's I I can't really I can't really explain that. I I don't understand too much about how Fortnite is is made. It sounds there's a lot of desperate anxiety in how that game is developed because it, it it patches so fast, so fast, yeah. Uh, they, done that so it feels stuff comes off the. Co I, I I I can't I can't I I don't know anybody that works on Fortnite. I have never worked on Fortnite. Well, I don't know how I, how they do things. I obviously but, can't speak for the people who work there and make the decisions because that's always kind of like a kind of a curtain that you can't see through. Yeah. But just by like some, you see some communities like you see obviously Track Media when they made this next game, they had all the opportunity they they wanted to try to like overly monetize it perhaps. Well, no, you can't do. <laughs> am I wrong about that? Did they overly here, monetize it? Here's here's the thing, right? Uh, and this is a big contentious topic with trackmania because it did launch with a subscription service right, this thing yeah. that i mentioned those pricing tiers that i that i told you about that's a yearly price that's very you, reasonable you, you pay that exactly though because yeah. here's what how they monetize trackmania before is every year or every few months or so they would release a new environment and now it's like you you paid 30 bucks for that here this what you're paying better. for yeah. is is a year right you're paying yeah. for a year trackmania but they're supporting with a track per day that's come from mm -hmm. the community with its own leaderboards and its own place on the mm -hmm. uh, on on the home screen, which again leveraging their community, mm -hmm. official tracks that they're that they're launching are tracks that are going to be have their own track of the day campaign. So that's 365 tracks that are going to be officially supported by the game. For better or worse, I played some of the track of the day tracks, and some of them are uh, really really bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's yeah. one that I'm not sure how I got through, but it's just it's just a cock and balls, and it's the but most boring track I ever played. <laughs> huh? But you get 365 of them. Yeah, 365 of those, and you get that with a ten dollar tier. Yeah. The only thing you pay thirty dollars for is if you want to be part of a club, and you want to specifically join their rankings. Even with the ten dollar yeah. tier, you can go to a club, yeah. not That's join them, but you can still play on their custom server. Oh. I mean that's pretty good if you think about how much a WoW subscription is, right? Like, yeah. and that's per month. So that's per month. Like, this, this is, is per exactly year. what I said. Like they didn't overly monetize it. It sounds like because like no, but they do uh, get I all mean the customization. Like, they was, do like, gate all the customization, the... all the customization. Mm. They do gate that behind a thirty dollars tier, and I think that's mm. the part where it's mm -hmm. where it's a little it's a little yeah. sketchy. You see them trying to kind of grab a yeah. bigger piece of the pie. There's like, also no server browser. There's no server browser. There is no server browser. I I, wanna... I personally hate the war on server browsers. I really dislike that in any multiplayer game right now. But the clubs is what is meant to replace that. 
So, but it okay. buries the content a little bit. It took me a while to find the service that I wanted to because there is no search for it. You got to search for a club which can have a different name. I can't mm -hmm. search for full speed or whatever, right? I have to yeah. search by club name. And the club so, that I found, Evo, that's the one that has, Evo is based on, on I think it's like a different sort of set of mods and stuff. So it's a known oh, okay. name in, in it. And that one has the full speed tracks that all the Germans play. It has the technical tracks that all the French people play. Right. So, I'm generalizing nationalities here, but this is true. You look at the leaderboards. This is this yeah, is how it breaks I mean, down usually. There are servers that are specifically for Germans and French. Yeah, people. yeah. Like it's not new in game. Yeah, yeah. But like, so I I just keep thinking like if this game got the treatment that you know Blizzard showed with Overwatch, and I can kind of get it on Blizzard's side too. Like you know Blizzard didn't have community made maps, and in their opinion. I think their 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 decision was they didn't want community maps because they were so strict on their art style that they they felt that everything had to be maintained a certain level and certain quality and they thought that uh, and probably rightly so that the community wouldn't be able to hit the art level that you know that Blizzard has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think they highly over like they they grossly overestimated their ability to iterate with that art style because this comes in any production. The higher the art bar the lower number of iterations that you have on that level or or asset because it takes so much time to bring it to that level that it's hard for you to iterate to like make changes mm. whereas the community because most of the community apps start start off looking like complete dog shit to be honest <laughs> but they're focusing on all the gameplay and then that comes afterwards and they have you know it's how much time does one developer have versus let's say one otaku game nerd that wants to like build a level like we've seen people in the community put thousands of hours thousands of hours we, in the smash community we had someone quit their job for six months to make a mod that no one asked for <laughs> but everyone loves yeah but like but it, you know people do that in the community and i think that's something that you know most big studios for some reason or another are scared to harness it and are scared to give more power to that community. Yeah. And, and to um, me, that's like the quintessential game design. You know, that's where the passion for, for creating games is, is, is born from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's back like, in the, I, back I in the day. I, I was building maps in, in, in Far Cry. Right. Oh, yeah, when I, when right. I was like, when I was like 12, that's what I, that's, that's, that's what got me into, into game design. I was building tracks and track mania. I loved building stuff. These people that go out on their limb and they make make their stuff, these are yeah. people that will go on to make video games professionally. Mm -hmm. That's where the mm -hmm. passion is born, mm -hmm. right? I, I, without without user-generated tools, you you never discover that passion. You never realize the joy of having someone, hey, play this, tell me what you think. I'm like, well, this could be better. And <laughs> Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, hold on, I'll make on. it better. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Um, yeah. As a game, did you go to game design school or did you no. go to school for something else? What did I you went. Go to school I went. For? I went. My 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 degree is for computer science. Okay, good. So I don't want to shit so, yeah. on your degree. I just want to give a warning to anyone who's listening to this. Listen, <laughs> if you are going to school for game design, you're getting ripped off. You need to reconsider what you want to spend your money into, because game design is like all the game designers who are out there doing it have done it themselves like you're talking about they're making their own maps they're doing it because there's so many tools out there to do it yourself already mm -hmm. and the ones that i know in the industry that are successful are the ones that did it for whatever reason maybe they were a programmer and then their studio didn't have enough people and they were the one responsible for it and they grew into that role but no you can't just learn the mechanics this is what i see from people who don't 
uh, play games making game decisions. I see it all the time. Mm. They don't play the game, but they th- they try to study it from a theoretical level. And it's like uh, it's like you know those armchair generals that don't know what the battlefield's actually like because they just theorize it on paper. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for games. Like if you don't play the game and you can't actually feel the emotion about whether like you're talking about the stress or whatnot, like how are you gonna make a good game? And that's what I kind of I kind of see that becoming more and more prevalent in, as the bigger your studio gets. You get mm. this idea that you can you can make these right decisions from higher up right for people that are like more disconnected from the gameplay because there's more hierarchy and the studio is bigger but then the problem is there's more people that are involved that don't play games even just look at the art side of it most hmm. artists like i would say a lot of artists in, a, in our game studio or in general game studios play games but there's n- not all of them not yeah. for the amount that you would think that's on a dev team right i it's definitely um, it definitely becomes on on uh big triple a studios that you have uh, we'll we'll definitely have more wider variety in this, but also on smaller indie side of studios, there's a lot of artists that don't play games. Yeah, yeah, they're there just to like kind of clock in their work. They're more artists for art side than game side. I, I've I've been at studios where where none of the people in programmer roles or or art roles had played mm-hmm. many games before. That yeah, right? I know that's very and, true. It's, and and, it's and so eventually surprising. all those people because the company had pivoted right to yeah. to to make games. And that company pivoted to games, and eventually all those people that hadn't been interested in games before quickly saw that this wasn't going to be a quick cash grab thing, and it's going to be something of passion. They all left. (laughs) And that studio became incredibly different and so (laughs) much better when we hired people that loved games and loved playing games and understood, at least on, on an emotional level, because yeah. you feel it. Everyone feels it when they play a game. They know when it's good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what you yeah, what yeah. you go to school and learn or what you get a book and read, like like I did. I, I read a bunch of like game design yeah. books while I was studying my degree because I knew this was what I wanted to do. There was a lot of fundamental things that you learn. Well, why is this fun? Why is this fun? Yeah. What what are metrics? What are mm-hmm. what are specific things that, that a player can can expect what is the the logic and the science behind that there's a lot you can learn on that but if you don't have that emotional why is this good why am i having so much time why do i feel this tension when i'm going 300 miles per hour on this track what is the specific way that this is laid out that gives Mm -hmm. me that feeling if you don't experience that for yourself you don't understand why video games are such a powerful medium nor what makes them truly good yeah, you don't understand how you can replicate that feeling if you can't feel it yourself. Yeah. And that was all just to say that the community, for some reason, and this isn't the same in all industries, but the community in games is very good at making good levels and content for games. This isn't 100%. the same in all industry. Like, it's not like you can do this for the art industry where we can go out and be like, hey, you guys can make your own <laughs> meshes. And like, sometimes it works, but the most part, because of how technical it is, it's quite like ineffective. But for some reason, the people in the gaming community, eventually the expertise comes out and they're able to like do something that's actually quite hard inside a studio to do, which is make like a strong gameplay core in, mm-hmm. in for most studios. But they're able to do that in the community side because they had so many, so many more people and so many more, so much more time to kind of iterate on it over there. It, it, it's um, the thing, iteration makes games. Iteration yeah. makes fun gameplay. It, if, it really does. And that's that's that feedback loop, right? That's, mm. 
Like, if you look at Dota, you know, one of the most successful games of all time right now, like, where did that start? It started off with, like, maps in Warcraft yeah. 3. Battle Royale as well. Exactly. Start out with, see, a mod, all, with, a, with a mod for a military sim. All of our best games have come from most likely community innovations. Even, like, there's so many, we, we, we showed you Dota, it came from, um, you know, a map to a mod to its own standalone games. Yeah. Um, Did you know that Dota, Dota mod for Warcraft was not the first Dota? Was it a Warcraft two game or mod or something? I, there, or someone mentioned this to me the other day, or I heard it on a, on a podcast. But there was a game that was like Defense of the Ancients, and it was called yeah. something else. Oh, and that's what Defense of the Ancients was based on, and it blew my mind. <laughs> I, that I, that could be possible. I, I, what do I feel? It was a it was a Warcraft map though, right? Like it was on do, the Defense of the Ancients Dota originally yeah. was yeah. a map for Warcraft three. Oh, but the game it, mode it itself, game. the game oh. mode itself existed wow. before that even still before i see if it that. was a starcraft map <laughs> you know what i think it, that would be hilarious if uh it was. i, I it, it might have it might have been we can we yeah. can search this and put this yeah. in like the the, the patch notes of yeah the put it in the when we upload the video yeah but yeah i, I find it i find it really interesting and it, it's like this is what i kind of liked when i mentioned a while back about the way valorant has been handling their community which i find more positive is that they're waiting to see what the community does they ha they still have the stranglehold on the maps, which I think is kind of is definitely a limitation. But at least they're allowing the tournaments to kind of grow more organically. Um, so I I do think that there should be some sort of they should take a lesson out of Trackmania. And you know there are other games that are just purely community driven, like Minecraft, mm -hmm. like we mentioned, is another one. Mm -hmm. um, or uh, what was that game that's oh I can't remember right now. I just saw Soldier Boy playing it. S R S S. It's a uh, Forget it. I'm not going to remember well, it during in, in time, but yeah, okay. there's a lot of community games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and kind of props to Ubisoft for for letting Nadeo kind of do their own thing, even if yeah. they got rid of the server browser. Mm, add it back. Um, Listen, I I think it's actually quite a big deal to see a company let like yeah smaller like like the publisher that. look at this and say like oh you guys have a very good thing going we're gonna buy you and. Mm put it on our store but mm -hmm. but you do what you think is best here yeah. and probably they had some sort of stipulation along the way but so many parts of it feel broken in the way that trackmania normally is broken in <laughs> jank you mean <laughs> like just just janky just janky yeah. stuff that you're just used to because you've been playing trackmania for so long yeah. that, like, that a lot of new like players will go bugs, right? huh? it's like playing a bethesda game and having yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and still like the team added so many new new fun stuff they added ice they added uh boosters that make your oh, car nice. fly they make <laughs> your car like magnetized to the ground all these tools that people are making really cool maps with now uh there there's like bobsled tracks where they turn off your engine and you have to have enough speed in order to get up the ice hill there's one where it flips you upside down and then magnetizes your booster so you're flying upside down while players cross over you and the other way and you're trying to make it cross. There's really cool stuff that because they added these new mechanics in, there are so much crazier and and, and they feel broken. It feels it like feels, uh, Mario Maker, right? Like when they just like yeah, gave you all these tools and it's like, hey, yeah, what do you want to do with them? But but there's something you need to play these tracks and like just the feel of it is so different from the official maps, right. but it's just the same mechanics and it just mm. feels broken in surprising and exciting ways to see. Oh, that's cool. And and that's that's good on them for for like enabling that stuff and making a really good editor where where that stuff is possible 
and hopefully there there'll be support for it for you to add your own meshes into it because yeah, people have made be some really amazing cool. maps yeah, uh, in Trackmania 2 I had no idea. Well. I, that's so funny. I didn't realize that it was a new one. I thought you were doing a retrospective of the current. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so this funny. is something that I that I'm playing yeah. every day now. I'm doing awesome. doing doing my tracks, doing playing on the server, chatting with people. Um, okay, so uh, time to move on to our new segment of the show, the anything segment, right? The anything segment. The yeah. The, the what's going on in your life right now, Ken and yeah, Louise. Yeah, like, what do you want to talk about? So we wanted to add a, a little part where we just got a chance to talk about subjects that we hadn't prepared. Um, maybe something happened recently yeah. in gaming that we didn't get a chance to talk about or just, like, personally excited about. Um, what do you have? Okay, so I've been playing a lot. I've been, I've been, but I've also been watching a lot. I am getting okay. really much into old samurai movies. In preparation for, for Ghost of Tsushima. I just opened this article. How Ghost of Tsushima teamed up with Akira Kurosawa's estate for the new cinematic mode. Is that what you wanted? Did you wow. see that at all? No. Do you know I, who Akira, I, I, I didn't... Akira Kurosawa is? Yes. If you're watching? Uh, yes. Fun fun fact. Um, <laughs> I did film study for a year. Oh, hey, then you definitely know Akira Kurosawa. I definitely know Akira this Kurosawa. This guy is a godfather of cinema. I, like, I feel spoiled I like when watching some of these movies because I was not watching Akira Kurosawa's movies first. Mm -hmm. uh, I, sorry, no, I, I did watch Seven Samurai first. I hadn't seen Seven mm -hmm. Samurai. I watched Seven Samurai. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. that's a that's a good movie. It, it feels mm -hmm. like a good movie. And I watch it. And I watch some other stuff in that period. And I'm like, it's a terrible. there are so many things I took for granted in Dude. Seven Samurai yeah. that people around that time weren't doing. Like no the close idea. camera cuts, the yeah. the faces, the just the emotion, the expression, the highly defined character traits, the cuts that 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 he uses to denote mm -hmm. the the passage of time, the passage of of, of events, the long mm -hmm. slow shots, mm -hmm. be, like I remember stuff that just didn't exist. <laughs> I, I remember watching Severin Samurai, which is a, is amazing. Um, it was so incredible to me that how well it flowed. Because like you're saying, you watch other films during that era and it's molasses. Yeah. Like they're, they struggle to get through sentences and to change scenes naturally where Akira was employing so many cinema techniques that you learned as fundamentals nowadays yeah. at the very beginning. Um, and so then I it's, watched it's, Hidden it's, Fortress it's and then I saw like nice. every single scene transition is a wipe. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Star Wars wasn't the first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Star Wars so heavily influenced by Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, George Lucas so, specifically references Hidden Hidden Fortress as 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 a big influence. So I, I I'm watching that one now. I'm halfway through it. Oh, nice. Uh, this I, is very seen... exciting that they're teaming up with the Kurosawa estate. I don't know what the Akira Kurosawa estate really has to offer in terms of they have like uh, some sort of studio or something uh one like blu-ray copy of seven samurai <laughs> <laughs> probably but um that's that's so exciting because like people don't realize that the effect of akira kurosawa he made everything that you know as westerns probably comes a lot from yeah. like fistful of dollars famously yeah. he said uh this is a fine film but this is my film <laughs> <laughs> yep yep he's like i've seen that before i made that film yeah uh, All the tropes of, you know, the um, bandits coming in to uh, hurt the Mexican farmers or local farmers yeah. is the exact or same trope. That's government government uh, manipulation, like affecting mm -hmm. the, the lower class and them having to rise up and rebel against the higher power. Yeah. 
so, very common theme in a lot of samurai movies, in fact. I wonder how much of that feel they'll get in Ghost of Tsushima. I wonder, you know, like, right? That's why so, I'm doing this research beforehand, because they say it's very inspired. And immediately, one thing that I notice is they're focusing a lot on wind, right? Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of this in the samurai movies that I'm watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. The wind billowing through the glass, wh- mm-hmm. rippling through their robes. Mm-hmm. This affected Ghost of Tsushima so much that even their photo mode, the wind is still enabled. So everything is <laughs> so, like, freeze, you need to have the but rustling, you see, but you, but you see the rustling of, of the wind, the trees swaying in the wind. So yeah. much as it like in the environment, the innate tension in in that final climactic showdown, which again coming from like westerns, the whole standoff where they're staring each other down. Mm-hmm. Sanjuro near the end of that movie there's like that mm-hmm. sound just two guys staring at each other for a good long time before one of them like draws and but the other guy is faster because he's the good guy and <laughs> quickly swipes and the blood <laughs> shoots out again um, Akira Kurosawa <laughs> I I wonder so uh, I wonder how well those techniques will translate to video games I know it's so hard for for games to to do the cinematic effect, I, I think even the best games out there that do it right now only scratch the surface of cinematic quality in movies just because yeah. of the nature of the medium, right? And you played The Witcher 2 and 3, I believe, One, right? 2, and 3. Yeah. So one of the things that they tried to do was to have cinematic cameras, but it's hard mm. in an open kind of world where you can talk to anybody in different scenarios and stuff. So they would set up pre-made camera angles and try to cut to them, but they look so awkward mm. because in a game, in a movie, you need like that's a, that's something that you really need like a, a full handmade control over. Whereas in a game, so much of it's dependent on the player. I wonder how do they translate that cinematic quality? Uh, again, this is the thing that you're touching on something I think is very important, where a lot of people say there's a lot of influence of movies on games right mm-hmm. and and you see a lot of praise heaped upon stuff like heavy rain or or, or uh i don't know like the last of us before mm-hmm. saying like oh walking dead why are you why are you praising this, this yeah walking dead as well why are you praising this game when it's basically like a, an interactive movie mm-hmm. and, and and again it's it's back when we have that conversation about the last of us 2 and i said the thing that empowers the story the most is the fact that you're playing it Mm-hmm. Right, and I think this mm-hmm. is something that 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 absolutely failed Red Dead Redemption Two mm-hmm. for me as a video game, not a, not as an experience. I love Red Dead Redemption Two, the story, the interactive medium, right. but as a video game, I think it it is a it is a bit of a failure. I know that's a strong word, but that is. It, but you feel it didn't harness the gameplay side of it to utilize with this. Exactly, and I and I don't think that games need to do that, mm-hmm. right? And that is so crucial to me to to express is that games don't. They should take influences from 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 movies in the sense of how you can communicate a story through implication. Like you you cut you cut a scene from, from like uh like like a, a a bottle a half drunk bottle of of a uh, of alcohol, and mm-hmm. then you cut to a guy just sitting on a couch like this, and he can determine, mm-hmm. oh, he's an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Like like there's there's scene you can communicate with that, but yeah. Games can do so much more through gameplay, through making you feel things through that. And and I and again, the big thing that I always want to hammer home is emotion, right? Mm. They don't need to expressly capture the shots of of, of samurai movies and Ghost of Shim mm. to make it work, but yeah. it needs to evoke that feeling, right? Yeah. 
That'll it be needs to have part, the wind, right? The yeah. the wind bolt blowing to the trees. I don't need a frame that frames it, yeah. but I need to feel that emotion. I need to feel the pauses between comments. I need to feel the anticipation before before I slash someone in half or I get slashed in half. So in Seven Samurai, there's this one moment where um, can't remember his name. Uh, he plays uh, Yojimbo, though. He's the big uh, Toshiro Minafune. What's it? Yeah, yeah. Toshiro Minafune. Um, yeah, exactly. So he his character dies, right? Mm-hmm. And the samurai are mourning it, right? So cinematically, to express that emotion is going to be significantly different than how do they express it in, express it in the game. I think that's the thing is that it's not like when they say they're working with the Akira Kurosawa estate, it makes me excited, but it also makes me wary because it's not going to be a one-for-one translation. They need to find something. They need to essentially, it's like when you're making a remaking a old and classic for a modern day movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many of those have worked and let's use some good examples and a bad example. Let's say, um, what is that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he goes to Mars? Total recall. Total recall. This is a bad example, right? This is the bad example. (laughs) Okay. So the original movie. I love Colin Farrell, but that movie is garbage. (laughs) The original movie, um, is stupid, but it was like, you know, an awesome action movie. Like, yeah, yeah. For that time, absolutely. it was so good, right? Absolutely. And then the the remake essentially does what we're worried Colin about. Colin Farrell remake, all these right? kind of elements, and they're like, this is what made the original good, good, and we'll try to stamp it on this new one. Whereas, let's look at a successful, in my opinion, is the Jumanji franchise, at least in the fir- mm. original series and then mm. the new one, mm. where they took what made the original fun which is essentially this idea of this wild world coming to life and pulling people in and having them to are totally figure unprepared it out for it. and deal with each other they're unprepared and they, t- they took the the goodness of it but they they took different tools and elements to f- make that new feeling right rather than mm-hmm. trying to take the same elements and then expecting the same result and they put I dwayne think- the rock johnson in it exactly it helps <laughs> it helps to have Gillian anderson there as well like doesn't hurt um like and so that's where I see see if it goes to humans. Like if they want to try to use Kurosawa's, maybe it's just a thing where they just want to use his name. But if they want to pull in what he kind of represented in movies or what made his movies great, they're gonna mm-hmm. need a much better understanding of what what his movies were all about. Um, and yeah. maybe they do because you know you you see a lot of people take strong inspiration. The Mandalorian is heavily influenced by Akira Kurosawa, and you know all because it's a Western because it's heavily influenced right? by westerns, right? Yeah, so I, I'm super excited. That game has slowly increased my interest over time. When it was first announced, I was like, "Oh, a cool samurai game," but it, I do like the art that's coming out of it. It looks super comic booky somehow you know like even though it's almost like it feels like an ink painting but it's still 3d i don't there's Hmm. something about the way that they're deciding to not show certain elements of the environment and you look at it it, they have this very stark foreground and then they have a very beautiful like ghostly background that i've seen in most of their gameplay fights right so whereas in the game like skyrim you have a realistic uh, distribution of you know mid-ground foreground and background elements and you're always fighting whereas this one it feels like you're on a stage almost mm. like a like a yeah it looks like a movie set kind of thing right like, that's so it looks like it's set up to be very stylized so i'm interested to see if they use it utilize that somehow it could be an amazing like combination that's but, so interesting you know. that's so interesting that you're you're, you're saying that because that's something i totally didn't didn't notice at all to me yeah. what, what what stuck out the most to me 
in how it leveraged samurai movies is is they always talk about the lethality of the katana mm, mm, mm. right I love, from a yeah, gameplay yeah. sense uh what stood out the most to me when they were talking about that and, and really backed it up for me is that there's difficulty modes in that game. None of it affects the health of the enemies. Right. Just the, just it just play, affects right? it affects their aggression and how mm. their AI behaves in combat with you. I do like that a lot. So for those unfamiliar, the whole um, how did you describe it? Uh, the deadliness of the sword that you were just the lethality of the katana yeah the lethality of the katana so a lot of people don't realize that like samurai fighting back in the height of samurai fighting the um, sengoku jedi yeah they it it wasn't revolving around clashing swords like you see in movies they were all revolved around one or two moves that would incapacitate your opponent or go for the kill so it mm. wouldn't be like they would because the swords were super sharp, but to, in, order to, in order to be able to be that sharp, they had to be super brittle because that'd be super hard. Mm. Right. So the more you clashed it, if you clashed it once, it would probably ruin the edge of the samurai sword and you would have mm. to get it fixed just once. Mm. So mm. a lot of if you if you actually looked at the history of it, like, for example, a lot of strategy was just revolved around cutting the thumb of the person. Oh, and if you cut their thumb, they can't hold their sword two handed and their fights practically over. Hmm. right so or a lot of it would be they would hold their sword down and use the opponents rushing on motion when they come to strike you as tishes impale them right mm -hmm. like so those are that's that's where the idea of the lethality goes because samurai fights were about like you imagine yourself in the, uh, the life of a samurai at the height of it is that you are a warrior trained from night and day for this one moment and the moment is one move it's a rock paper scissor fight but everything is on the line and that's the lethality of samurai fights that mm -hmm. i think that they're talking about mm -hmm. so if they bring it into this game it would be really really interesting because then it really it's almost like you're playing dark souls on hard mode and you can't get hit once or something yeah. right like it feels like you have to make every mistake correct but that's also super punishing so i wonder how they'll they do say it, it works it both ways right it. they, they say they say it works both ways it's you are extremely vulnerable to other enemies weapons but you also kill people in 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 one or two hits. Oh, it's very Bushido Blade, uh, in, in that cool. sort of sense. Yeah, that's really cool. So I'm I'm really interested. Uh, it, it's it's a game that I haven't heard much about. I don't know any publication that got hands on with it before they got review anyone, copies. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird, and that's usually a bad sign. That is kind of a bad sign that they won't show gameplay. That's always kind of a worrisome sign. They they only show the only gameplay they really showed was the state of play, and then they've had mm. interviews talking about their methodology and stuff beyond that. Mm. But I really hope it's good, you know, because it's it's exciting. I'm, I'm I'm beginning to become very invested in this whole. Again, I'm very new to this whole samurai thing, though. right? I haven't seen all those movies until now. Oh, I'm watching yeah. them and I'm really enjoying them. So now I'm slowly building up this investment. I'm like, hmm, Ghost of Tsushima, mm. you better make good on this stuff. Don't <laughs> get ruined by high expectations. That's what I'll say. Like these, like you said, the gameplay isn't out. I can't trust anything anymore. The game, the I've gameplay is the too many times by yeah. games. Mm -hmm. Right? So. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of waiting, waiting to see how do you, that goes. Do you get? Do you also get the point where, where at a certain point, you don't care if a game is good or not. You just have to play it just so you can talk about it. That I would say a game has to hit a certain level of um, cultural significance for me to do that. You know, hmm. like The Last of Us definitely seemed to hit that that mark. 
but instead of playing it, I watched it like you know what I just needed to experience it essentially or get some sort of semblance it's like watching a Star Wars movie even though you don't want to watch it just because you yeah. want to talk about it's it it's so much easier to do um, with movies though because that's two hour contribution of your, yeah, of your life yeah with and games, games it's hard, like yeah not everyone wants to beat a game and also games can be frustrating too so not everyone wants to finish a game yeah I've played um, I, I've I've started to uh play games on easy games that i don't that i that i just want to see the end of uh that's how i played far cry new dawn because i just i wanted this to be like a fun little diversion i wasn't really invested in in the in the core combat of it and felt it wasn't the point of the game so i just started playing on easy i just felt i had nothing to prove to anyone i i don't think i can i can't get myself to do that anymore no like i i feel like at least for me uh i haven't yet maybe the last of us should have changed it for me but i haven't yet played a game um any games that have had such good story that i ever wanted to give up any of the gameplay side of it like you were talking about with red dead redemption you know like Mm -hmm. my bar is kind of a so when i play a game it's going to be mainly for the gameplay like the gameplay element already has to interest me so otherwise i won't jump into it Mm -hmm. in the first place Mm -hmm. um maybe later on a story will be so good that i like i have to hear it but there's there's no premise to me that's so interesting that I can sit through a mediocre gameplay right now. Yeah. So like I also and by by that gameplay side, I also mean that I personally like to enjoy games on harder difficulty. I like the idea of it. I want to hit a range where it's hard enough so that when I beat it, I feel rewarded mm-hmm. for beating it. Right. I don't personally like beating a game where maybe I have too much resources and then I can kind of like relax and make a bunch of mistakes and then run through it. You know. I, it's just the way I personally play. So I don't I, I, I can't get myself to like play games just for the story, even though I really want to find out the story. Yeah. <laughs> like The Witcher, I still haven't beaten yet because I just I keep playing it on a harder difficulty. But it makes oh, me no. every time I die, I don't want to restart the like the game. <laughs> so it's a bit problem for me. I can see I can, but I can see why you do that, because I do want to experience more games than I have time for now. Yeah, hey, it's becoming a, a problem back in back in the day when i was younger you had to be more selective because you 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 played like one you you got one new game every month and a half or something right and then that was the game that you were just gonna beat 10 times yeah you better beat that game (laughs) yeah and 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 it better be good or or you you were like me and you rented a game from blockbuster and you had a, a week yeah or if it was a good game you had two or three days Two or three days if it was a good game. That was yeah. brutal. <laughs> My parents never let me rent games um, because uh, they said it would influence you to want to rush through it more on the weekends and not do your homework. I mean, it's definitely and, and true. And that, that, that is true. true. I'll tell you a little, a little story. One time, I asked my parents for a game. It was a Nintendo 64 game called Jet Force Gemini. Hell yeah. Game's, game's irrelevant. Hell yeah. Uh, I essentially snuck... So I snuck under the Christmas tree. I opened the game. No. I took out the game. I closed the package. I closed the the present. I played the game to death by the time that I had to open it. And then and then when I when Christmas Day came around, I was like, "Oh my god, Jet Force Gemini!" And I tossed it in because my mom wants to play. And it's like there's a save file that has like 20 hours on it. Oh no! It's like halfway through the game. Ah. Uh. You're lucky, luckily, though. Your parents play no games with you. That's nice. <laughs> My parents never, um, never play games with me. <laughs> yeah, the, the game, games were a big part of me growing up. It essentially, like, filled up the the time that I had from being, like, a 
immigrant kid that didn't have any friends. No. <laughs> um. So for me, I personally what are you what are you up to, playing... Ken? What's 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 going on? Well, okay. So I I've been looking for a card game to play. A card game. Uh, yeah, I used Digital to play Digital or Hearthstone. real? Pardon? Digital or, or real? Digital. I don't want to collect cards ever. I never. I used to play oh. Magic and Pokemon. Oh. Like it's it's a money sink. It's we, too much. I'm gonna talk okay. to you about living card games and another time, <laughs> and then you'll you, okay. And then we'll. That's the conversation okay. we can have another time. Um. Essentially, I'm looking for a card game. Uh, digitally, I used to play Hearthstone, but I eventually uninstalled my Blizzard account because personal reason didn't want to deal with it. Okay. Um. So. I've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> this game, but I've been playing it. I can't play it competitively because this game is probably. I, I I've watched the competitive side, and it's not a game that I care to de- dive into. And it is, was. The same is it like Arsenal. Melee? I didn't want to. <laughs> is it a really <laughs> old game that hasn't been patched, and people just figured out their own mm. little secret strats? Yeah, kind of. Like <laughs> I didn't. Want, I didn't play Hearthstone the same way either. Like I played Hearthstone for just their single player like dungeon content really i didn't ca- i didn't care about playing multiplayer at all mm. like i because i know what multiplayer would entail for and i love multiplayer games but i know what it entails for card games and it entails a high level of card knowledge of the entire mm. like you need to know mm. the entire kind of library of cards out there so you can properly play against them as well as assemble your deck mm-hmm. and i did not care about um figuring out that level of complexity mm-hmm. what i wanted is essentially a game of chess where I know the basic pieces, yeah. I can read the card as I go, and then just figure out as I go. I don't need to have like if it, if chess was Hearthstone multiplayer, there would be like seven hundred pieces, right? And all of them would do different things slightly, and blah blah blah. Whereas mm-hmm. I like a simpler game that I can build upon, and that's what I like Yu-Gi-Oh because it's a simple game, and I play that also just the campaign. I don't care about playing online. Which game and is this specifically? This is this is Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Legacy of the Duelist because I Legacy think Duel Duelist. Links is the newest one, uh-huh. and I didn't. I also didn't want to have to pay for cards, so I I play the old one where I, I can just get yeah. the cards. It's it's like fake fake internet um, money or like game money, so it doesn't matter. And I, what I like about it is just like I need a mindless puzzle to solve sometimes. Mm. Like I feel like uh, it helps me think. It helps me relax when I don't need to like have a lot like i have a very low stress but high level of thinking game which i don't have a lot of because most of my high level of thinking games require multiplayer interactivity to add that you know really strong component Mm -hmm. Um, i think most of single player games ultimately end up as strategy you know more so than high levels of like problem solving necessarily Mm -hmm. um like the last of us is a great game but it's mainly strategy about where to get around and knowing where the npcs are eventually and you know where stuff is whereas like more reactionary you know you know there's obviously reactionary elements but like let's say you take a game like counter-strike where it's literally all about the other person that adds this element of where there's some strategy but then you can get straight out played right that adds a lot of thinking side to it where you need to figure out what to do and all your actions but it's high stress like we were talking mm-hmm. about like I, and at some point i don't want a high stress game i want a super super low stress single player maybe i'm playing super mario or something like that's the kind of game that i i was looking for in, but in a card game yeah and Yu-Gi-Oh is it it's silly 
and the show is so stupid like it's <laughs> but i grew up watching it and you know it's like dragon ball z it's like ridiculous but you love it for some reason sure that's how i feel about sure. you <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I, I I actually don't have that many games that I'm I'm playing right now besides you know Valorant. And, yeah, and uh, should get you into Trackmania. I would be down. You know what's funny about Trackmania is that I played it um, at a LAN with some friends, and that was so much fun. We played it's LAN. Good. It's you, good. It's good stuff. Just eight of us racing each come, other. Come oh, join. Come so join great. my server. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show you the server. We're gonna get you in there. We're gonna get you to listen to some some really bad <laughs> some technical hardcore tracks. techno beats. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know just 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 race around the world whoa hold on we're doing a podcast we're talking about a racing game i need to, i need i need to do this there's a mm-hmm. i listen to a podcast called shift f1 okay it's a, it's a podcast about speedy race cars uh okay. run by uh danny o'dwyer and uh drew scanlon danny o'dwyer you may know from the youtube videos no clip and oh, uh, yeah, at the yeah. end, they go through all the races, and he does a little thing when he talks about all the races that are happening around the world. So I'm gonna like <clears throat> real races, real life yeah, races? real life races. It's a Formula oh, One okay. podcast, and uh, he does a little thing that I'm gonna do for you right now. Y- Hold on. <laughs> <clears throat> he says that it is time to race around the world. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, smooth. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're pretty good there. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, you know, what I one thing is interesting is uh, we should talk about at some point the interesting crossover for F one and video games. Yes, there's right? a Lando so Norris Track Mania Club, and it's all tracks epic. based on real Formula One tracks. There are five laps each, and I'm terrible at them. <laughs> but it's so interesting that that's such a real world, like up. Uh, that's the most. Uh, parallel skill set to have with the actual sport the game <laughs> is the actual you know like playing nhl it's, it's track knowledge like we had, car knowledge yeah, yeah I, I guess i get what you mean yeah like I, there was a channel where nhl players played nhl and like you guys don't know how to play the play <laughs> you guys aren't gay <laughs> you're not gamers you're athletes okay i get it but this one well, because you the, control the entire the team is, right yeah so it's kind of interesting. It's, kind it's, of interesting. it's fun seeing the Formula One drivers uh, actually playing like iRacing and stuff like that with wheels yeah. and like expensive setups because <laughs> yeah. they're all millionaires, you know, and yeah. and then yeah, they be, have, be like, good. Setup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. Uh, Lando okay, Norris, well, has, Lando Norris has dream. Do you have anything else? No, uh, I got to go and eat my dinner. And uh, <laughs> that's right. I guess I guess now we're switching our schedule a little bit. So we're gonna uh, yeah, record. So, we're gonna record um, on Mondays, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, mostly. Uh, unfortunately, I have some scheduling uh, problems that might shift it over to a Wednesday or Monday. But yeah. uh, that's but when we'll the live show updated, will be, yeah. and uh, we're always gonna upload on. I guess we won't upload. If it's on Monday, we'll upload it on Tuesday. If it's on Wednesday, we'll upload it on Thursday. We might we might also just come up with a regular uploading schedule like we might do it every Sunday or something like that. It'll depend, yeah, but we'll try to make it regular so everyone can kind of follow on like on track and easily. Yeah, still working it out. Uh, and as always, keep sending in those mails at beyondthepixelpodcast at gmail dot com. Beyondthepixelpodcast at gmail dot com. I will probably make a shorter one at some point <laughs> as like an alias like bt bt btp mail maybe mm, yeah maybe we'll uh we'll figure it out. uh but other than that uh ken don't forget to follow me at ken yes. Ha six so far i'm on twitter 
If you want my Instagram, it's all my art. And then Twitter is just for general stuff. As well as my Twitch, you can follow me there. Yep. If you want to follow my Twitch, you're already on it. <laughs> so there you go. It's easy. Um, songs, Adrian Talents, always amazing. Press start. You can follow him. Uh, you can follow me at LF Sandrin. And then us, you always find us here again. Beyond the Pixel. <laughs>